Did you guys the see chat. that arcade that the kid made in East LA? No. It's really cool. So his dad has runs a family business of auto parts store in okay. East LA. And this kid um loved to go to arcades and stuff. He's like, I don't know, six or seven. And did you make them all out of cardboard? Yeah. This is like from years ago though, right? Probably. I don't know. Like, We're supposed to go live in a minute. We don't have a guest. Hey, when's the last time uh, you guys communicated this morning? Or I communicated with him yesterday. Uh, he talked to me Tuesday. I gave him the lowdown on what we do. And then I posted a new ad this morning at 10 a.m. And he replied to it saying that he was excited to do the show. All right. Hopefully he's alive. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know if we go on late or if we just turn it on so people know we're here. Okay. I'm starting the stream. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm ready. We're getting serious. Already? Right. We're, on. we're on. Oh. We're on. We're on. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. And the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the weight comes right behind the rain. Oh my goodness. It's going to be like this all night, I think. Welcome to the Arcade Radio box office uh, theater. I don't know. Riff! (laughs) I'm going to get the chat running here. Is anybody in there? No. Just us. I I think we should pre-record an episode one time where we pretend that we're a documentary. Nobody but us chickens. Yeah, that'd be great. We could do that. Let's do it. We'll take two months to make it. Be like Polybius, right? Polybius. Yes. Just one episode. (laughs) It's it's cheese for right now. Don't crunch on the cheese. The cheese is the quietest uh, food that you can eat. It's a proven fact. Silent. Nobody in the chat. Silent all these years. I just need the link. The link is youtube.com slash arcade radio slash live every week. Oh. Yeah. I'm playing with my camera. Sorry. There's nobody. There's eight people, and I don't see anybody in the chat. It's okay, though. Hey, buddy. Nice to see you, Andy. Yep. Video unavailable. Watch this video on YouTube. Playback on other websites has been disabled by the video owner. You son of a... Yeah. Let me see if I can change that. That's no big deal. But it gives you something to do. It's no big deal. Yeah, no it gives big you a link. Deal. There's a little link in there for you to click. I have to log yeah. out. I don't understand. Look at this. Roadblaster's cockpit for sale. Oh. Where's that? No, where's 30157? Hey, did, <clears throat> did you know that the mock... Uh, three cockpit has a Fresnel uh, lens in it too. I did not. It looks pretty cool. I have Fresnel lenses above my bar now. It helps. Oh, with, it helps with the light. <laughs> Let's play what's in the juke before anyone else shows up. <laughs> it's a good idea. What's <laughs> in the juke? <laughs> Hello and welcome to What's in the Juke. It is long when you sing it out loud. How come? <laughs> hey, this shirt is available at Old Navy in case anybody is like hankering. Peter Cetera. <laughs> Peter Cetera. No. Close. <laughs> Peter Cetera owns this shirt. <laughs> what, what is going the, on? What is going on here? 
Oh, I love that Tempest um, Cabaret. That's beautiful. How did that pop up on the screen? What? What? What do you see? I don't see anything. Oh, no, something. Yeah, that Tempest Cabaret was really, really Mr. Nice. Peabody. Welcome to the shows. Very nice to see you. We look forward to chatting with you. <laughs> Thumbs up to Mr. Peabody. Does that show up on the uh, stream, or is that just just for us? We'll find out in a minute. Okay, let's see. Uh, I don't think it does. Too bad. I didn't see it. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. We harass each other now. I'm on it. I'm just going to. I'm just going to do this one thing here. How did I lose my little emoticon thing? Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Whoop. That was the first "What's in the Juke" song. Damn it, <laughs> Brian. No, I just was looking through some of the arcade ad, uh, classics ads here. You had one up there that you were looking for something. <clears throat> Let's see. What was it, Brian I Jones? Do, you what know, are you looking for? I have some news that I could share. You do? Yeah. And why not? Not, not arcade news? No, it's arcade news. Well, I, I am going to go to Arizona tomorrow. For, for On a, purpose? Yeah, for a, <laughs> a long weekend. Oh, wait, here. Brian Jones is looking for an extra zookeeper kick plate graphic. I think I have one down here. Just a second. <laughs> I think Brian um, might be sleeping. No. Oh, that's a good theory. What time zone is he in? Central. He lives in Chicago. Chicago. Well, near All Chicago. Right. But he lives in Chicago. Schomburg? Yeah. For real? Huh. For reals. I told you his city name earlier. Um, well, I just got through talking to a whole bunch of people and they told me city names too. And now I'm all, now I'm confused. So no, I don't know. You think I'm retain, retaining anything that you say? Come on. Mm-mm. It's, it's only seven 30 in Chicago. Yeah. Well, it's, that's where we are. It's been central time zone. So that's right. Brian Jones. We're, we're, you know, even Houston is central. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, I was in Nebraska. You said that I like was ghosting you. We were out of town for a wedding, and that's why I was oh, sort I, of not around. Brian's an old fart, but not that old. Yeah, so we got we got chatters waiting for a show to happen. We have no, and our, we don't have a guest. Chatty, chatty, bang, bang. <laughs> first time. Has anybody ever said that? <laughs> I'm going to trademark that. ChattyChattyBangBang.com right <laughs> I'm sure that's not an appropriate website. I'm going to go look right now. Chatty. Uh, I Google that. Chatty. I, leg, I did a leg workout today and I'm bang, all com. It's, it's uh, being squatted on. What is? ChattyChattyBangBang.com chatty, Oh. You can buy it for 800 bucks. Hell no. That is Hell way to too no. much. Yeah. What about, what about Chudy Chudy Bang Bang? I'm or... not looking that up because I don't even know how to spell it. Ch- Ch- Chudy Chudy. Chudy Chudy Judy. Chudy Chudy Judy. What is that from? It's got to be some 40s reference. That's that's uh, uh, Cary Grant. And then uh, Gomer, uh, not Gomer Pyle, Goober Pyle used to do a personation of it. Say Judy Judy Judy. On on the on the Andy, Andy Griffith, Griffith show, yeah, I see. Mm. Yeah, I love those weird references. Yeah, <clears throat> like like on Tom and Jerry, how they used to say, um, 
Don't you believe it? Do you know the reference? I don't. But have you ever heard somebody say that? Don't you believe it? Nope. It's like a, a, they used to have a radio show on in the 40s. Uh, it was kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not, where they would tell you like an incredible story. And at the end, they would the guy would end with, and don't you believe it? And that used to be like, you know, the, you know, where's the beef of 1945 or something? Sure. Let's bring it back. We're bringing it back. Well, hello there, Mr. Jason Heiser. Welcome to the show. Brian Jones, Mr. Peabody, Andy Baldwin, Brian Jones. I only have the chat pop out at. I can't see how many people are streaming. I mean, uh, viewing the stream, but there's uh, eight. It's not bad. Ish, ten-ish, eight-ish. I think it counts us. So, well, here's some good news. We're we're live. Here's some bad news. Our guest is MIA. MIA. It's almost. He's almost in Miami, but not quite. <laughs> so close yet. So far. So far. Yeah. He's in Schaumburg, asleep, probably. Well. I could put my, um, no, I don't have that. I was going to bring my Rampage game in here, and I realized it wasn't going to fit through the door. Something must have happened to Mr. Brian Colon that he is unable to be on the show tonight. Brian Jones says he's pinging him. Okay. Well, we're going to have to just get rolling here. It's a sad cold open. It's making me sad. You know, I miss it when we used to have that girl call in and try to order food, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, try to do uh, reverse psychology on you. And those were good times. Should I play? Should I play one of those? I think I might. I could find one from the olden days. Sure. Don't you have a rejected one somewhere? No, they were all used, I think. Yeah. I mean, she. Yeah. That was back in the day. That sounds almost three years ago now. Oh my God, we're so old. Yeah, I mean, no, what? The show is not that old. The show. Gulp. Second longest running arcade uh, radio show podcast, maybe. Could be. Could be. I mean, they're all dropping like flies. So there are a bunch out there. That's yeah. I don't know. There's a three years is like as long as people want to go. I don't know. Doesn't doesn't even feel like three years. I think we should go with at least five. Yeah, yeah, that'd be I mean, good. By then, I'll be in the you know time time circuit arcade or whatever. We need the time circuit. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, time circuit arcade. I, I've been calling that the time travel arcade, but time circuit arcade. Yeah. Or I keep I keep refining what I'm going to do. It's it's definitely going to be arcade is 1985. My event space will be 1885, and then the back, you know, the outside will be 1955. <laughs> cold open. Cold, so cold. What's the what's the weather like, guys? Up Very the, cold. It's actually not that great. No, uh, it's pretty. It's been we've had a couple nice days. Today, it's not one of them. No, oh. it's blustery and rainy, drizzly. Yeah, like I think today got to 85 here. So. I did drive back from uh, Vegas last week. That was fun. Oh, that's steamy. <clears throat> Can't come in through Loveland past. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the uh, snow was coming down so badly 
and I had the trailer behind the truck. We almost lost it. Three cars in front of me swerved off the road into the shoulder. I tried to hit the brakes. So never, never hit the brakes. Oh. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, tapping them and stopped about five oh, feet from the car in front of me that was stopped. It was a little, little freaky. Well, Brian, we were at the uh, the amusement expo last week in Vegas. It was kind of fun. That's cool. Uh, Brian Jones says he was in Vegas last week. Right after talking about prostitutes travel, what? <laughs> I bought a Monaco GP yesterday. Sweet. What what size? Cockpit. Cockpit. Yeah. Extra large. Where are you going to get that into the basement somehow, or is it just going to? I don't know. I need it. Fun. Yeah. Yep. Did you did you get rid of something else to get that? Nope. Hey, when does that arrive so I can be busy? <laughs> it's gonna go to fast and all. This is gonna be and it'll be created so it won't you you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> We're opening a I'll handle it myself. Down down to the basement? But it's not going to the basement. Uh this is Carbach Brewing's Hella Chella. It's, it's going a, in the living room. Michelada. And uh, it's never been in uh, in Adam's living room. No, it's not. You're not going to put a game in your living room, are you? No. You don't have... All your games are just in your basement, right? No. In the garage. And in storage. Well, that that's... Yeah. That seems right. Yeah. The best place for games. Where you pay for them and don't get to play them. <laughs> <laughs> I have power in my storage. Um, it's it's weird. They they let you use it electricity for free up to a certain amount, and I don't think they have a way to figure that out. And so, um, Aaron Sanders he just leaves his air conditioner running all the time that they 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 gave him. So lucky, <laughs> lucky. I don't know if that even made any sense. You know, this is not good. I'm sorry, Carbach, but you know, hella chella is hella bad. Thumbs down. It's weak. It tastes like um, a tomato that is like past its due date. Well, that's wonderful. I need to get one of those. Uh, see what I can do for you. Uh, you know what? If you ever come into Houston, I'll, I'll take you to Kath and Tom's. And uh, they have a dozen oysters for seven bucks. And they make the best Michelada that exists on the planet. So just let me know when you, you're going to come down to the Houston Medical Center for, you know, high fiving your bros or whatever you do. And then. We'll do that. Oh my God! What's a, what, Brian on your arm? What is what went on there? Oh, there. I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That was probably me trying to move the pinball into the basement when Adam said he'd come over and help me, and never showed up until after it was in there. Son of a! <laughs> <laughs> I helped to move games into the trailer at the warehouse, though. So he did do that. That was extremely helpful. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. It's nice. I like. <laughs> Is this a dog? You do that uh, very well. <laughs> uh, how do you uh, cook the dog? <laughs> what? Yeah. Since I'm sitting down, I I had to like center myself. Hey, who wants to do a show out there in the chat? Should we just do a show? Let's do a show. We got stuff. I've been working on stuff. All right. Me too. But I can't talk about it until I hear that song that Adam made. What song did I make? You know, the one that, you know, at your service, Commander. Wait, what, is, what did she used to say? I forget. <laughs> That's from a game. Is it? What game? 
Google it. Dang it. Oh, my wife is coming with food. I think this is the perfect time to start playing the intro so that I can uh, gobble up my food with the, with the mute on. Thanks, wife. Three, two, one, zero, zero. Ever, 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 ever. Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Hello, Commander. Computer reporting. Intruder alert, intruder alert. Season 3, lucky episode 13 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, April 4th, 2019, and the time is now approximately 7.36 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Senator Adam Stevens. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark, Time Runner Shields, and ParadiseArcadeShop.com proprietor, and the Tom to my Jerry, Brian Thurston Howell III. And tonight, we have with us... None other than absolutely nobody. Um, there's been a little uh, trouble getting our guest on tonight. We think he ran into some trouble. Haven't been able to get a hold of him. So, Is there tr- trouble in, in River City? There's trouble right here in River City. With, that's with starts, a capital T? That's start, right. The right rhymes with P, and that's the Amsterdam for Pool. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So welcome to the show, uh, Chatters. Uh, very sorry, this is the first Arcade Radio first right here. The guest has gone MIA. There might be a uh, large collection of animals, heading, three large animals heading towards Chicago, and he's had to run for cover or something. Oh, we can only hope. Right. Which so, one do you think grabbed him? Hi. <laughs> so, you know, normally uh, we would introduce the guest, and uh, that was supposed to be Brian Cole. Maybe uh, maybe we can get him back on the show some other time. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we're going to do something a little different this time, because why not? The show's, uh, the show's a little different tonight. So, let's start with a random question. Instead of, like, what you've been working on, and we could still talk about that, because we've got plenty of time, right? So... Maybe we'll move that to the end of the show. So, the random question for tonight, and I should have a noise for this, shouldn't I? Like some sort of... Boing, 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 boing. There should be... Or like the, the old uh, Price is Right spinning the wheel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need that. We need we need uh, something like that, right? I mean, that'd be fun. We'll, put, we'll fix it in post. Right. Uh, in, in post, the, the podcast uh, that people listen to, it'll sound awesome. We'll put that in there. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll play this laser noise. <laughs> it is so short. In the meantime, I will play this completely random noise that has nothing to do with anything. Can you? Play and then it? we'll go to the next segment. Can you play it several times at least? Okay. Well, what about a bike bell? Oh, now I want the random question, like it's nobody's business. <laughs> okay. It, here it is. What 
was your most difficult game pickup? Uh, Mark, go. I it was April, not 2015, and I bought a Star Wars. It was a good deal. Oh my gosh! Mine's a Star Wars story no too. No way! And and uh, and it was upstairs <laughs> at this guy's house, and he had some other games. And I was looking at it; it had been restored, but it was missing the wheels. First of all, so I thought that was kind of odd. You know, I got it t- to the top of his staircase, and it had just one landing. You know, I I'm I'm more afraid of staircases with two landings anyway. So I got it to the se- to the first landing, and he was down below me, helping me. Okay. <laughs> nice. I thought for sure he was guiding or touching the bottom or doing something. It turns out I don't. I think he was looking at it because yeah. <laughs> he kept like giving me like it looks real good, looks real good. Oh, you're like, doing fine. You're doing fine. No problems. Right. <laughs> so we got to the landing, and then the it was even steeper down to the to the the base. And I was like, hey, maybe we should put something down at the bottom there uh, because there's no wheels on this thing, and the corner might hit your beautiful floor. And he agreed. He went all the way down. He put something down there. And then he came up. And then I leaned the machine back, made it down one step, made it down two steps. And then that third step, I, I lost leverage. And I rode the machine all the way down, I think, another, like, 15 steps or something. Oh, jeez. And, and he, like, was, like, this, you know, like, the, the flash, like, running in front of it. You know, to get out of the way and stuff, <laughs> not helping me at all. So my life is flashing before my eyes and I'm trying to like slow it down. So I'm trying to like get under it as it's like going bump, 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 bump. And um, anyway, so we landed on that carpet that he'd put at the bottom and nothing really was hurt. But oh, my God, that was like I thought for sure that was the end. And um, once I got it outside, he's like, hey, can I help you like strap this down? And I'm like, go away. I don't even need <laughs> I don't need your alleged help. Yeah, I found when I grab games, like people will offer very nicely to help sometimes, but nine times out of ten, they don't help. No. They like they just aren't used to moving big objects. And I usually I'm like, you know, very politely say, Oh, thank you. I move a lot of these, you know, or you know, whatever. But it's it, the number of times that I've had people just do like stupid things, like you go down a staircase and they'll like lift the game while it's on the dolly so it's like tipping back onto you, and you're like, No, 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 no. No, it's balanced. Like, it's good here. We're just going to lower it as we go. Yes, yes. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, that game, I I moved it inside of the house, and it is not coming out uh, ever again, ever, ever. But um, that was my hardest. I mean, uh, before that, moving games out of basements in Minnesota, they were kind of hard to do, but then I learned I just hire movers, and then I don't, it's not my problem. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's funny. The, the Monaco GP that I mentioned in the cold open, uh, I got it on eBay. I don't normally buy games on eBay, but that was a, it was a really good price. Um, and it, it looked to be in very good shape. The seat was intact. Uh, all the wood looked pretty solid. There's a couple of, there's some paint problems on the back, but it works. Um, so I had to go for it. And uh, I took your advice and went with Fastenal, Mark. All right. Yeah, so uh, you said that you had some, you know, good luck with them. So, uh, from Virginia, uh, from Waynesboro to Plymouth, Minnesota, uh, two hundred and ten bucks. Whoa, that's about the, oh. the the right number. That's that's way cheaper than uh, you know any of the other freight companies, though. Yeah, I, mean, I think I bought a Zybots while I was in Lincoln. 
and it's coming from coin op warehouse to Houston, Texas, also like 209 bucks. Yeah. And, and you know what? It was, it was, a. Uh, I checked with uh, one of the arcade movers, uh, one of the ones that one of the other guys I know likes to use because they're very reliable and they do a good job. They wanted $375 at a minimum. So, and then they had a $50 surcharge for remote locations. So huh. it would have been Yo. like 425 or something like that. So this was like half of that, less than half. That's pretty good. It's a beautiful story. I'm going to use them to transport the front of the Back to the Future 3 train that I have uh, in Columbia. The only thing is is that you have to have it palleted and crated or ready to go. So. That's true. you, you got to have somebody that can do those two things. Also, I did have an experience with Fastenal where it was palleted and crated, and they, it was actually a space tool shipped out from Maryland. Mm-hmm. And they just, like, na- like, they hit it with a forklift or something, and the coverage or the insurance on it was just terrible. Oh. Like, it was, you know, I mean, like there was, they basically were like, yep, sorry. Well, this is covered up to a minimum of $1,500, so. Nice. Is, is it inside a, an enclosed crate? It'll be a, a, a two-by-four crate, so it'll be visible, but it'll be crated. Interesting. So. Yeah, I don't know. The guy that uh, is brokering the deal like used to create stuff for a living, so he's like, wow. I'll, do, I'll do it for you. And he charged me like nothing to do it. So, not nothing, but it was it was inexpensive. This will be a day long remembered. Am I supposed to t- tell about my moving story now? Yeah, what about your Star Wars? Hey, Jason Heiser, are you still in the chat, or did you just fall off the end of the earth here? Because this involves you. So, uh, we uh, have... Star Wars stories, I guess, in common for moving games. That and that game is heavy. I mean, oh, it is, dudes. That's got to be like one of the heaviest Atari cabs of all time. I go to Hudson, Wisconsin, to pick up this this Star Wars, which, I, unbeknownst to me, had been in a MoMA auction. And uh, if you guys don't know what a MoMA is, uh, what does it stand for again? Minnesota. Make me, make me an offer auction, or no, Minnesota operators. Something, uh, something. I something, didn't know that. Something like that. Yeah, so anyway, uh, it used to be a big uh, open-air auction that people go to, and they you know bid on games and take them home. And this guy bid on the Star Wars and got it working and then wanted to get it out of his house as quickly as possible. So I went, he cleaned it up, flipped it. I'm sure he bought it for like a song. And I, went up and I, I think I paid 600 bucks for it at the time. Which is pretty good if you look at the price the Star Wars is going for today, right? Decent. Yeah, I mean, like, I've seen them uh, in really good shape going for upwards of 2500 bucks. So, um, I don't feel so bad about that anymore. But, it did break right, right when I got home. So. No! <laughs> but anyway, to get it in the car, I went, well, first of all, my friend Jason was, used to live in Hudson. And so, I asked him if he, we could be the meeting point would be at his house. So the guy agreed to come to his house, drop the game. So I went and hung out with Jason. Guy brings a game, and I'm looking at it. I'm hemming and hawing. I'm thinking I'd try to broker, you know, like try to bargain with him, and I just paid the money. So then I, I, <laughs> I come to find out later an interesting story about it. But but let's talk about the moving part. So at the time, I had a 2009 Ford Escape, not the tiny little Murano-looking thing you see today, but uh, you know, still pretty small, you know, four by four, right? So I got my little SUV and uh, open up the back and we put it in there um, as far as we can. It's sticking out the back. I don't know, probably 
by about three feet, right? Three feet. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a couple. Yeah. So I have a couple of oh, options. Oh goodness. Right. So I can, I can either like just batten down the hatches and and then ratchet it and just drive with the thing hanging out the back, or I could try to get it in the car. So I put both of my seats forward all the way, and then I took the passenger seat. And I, this is what the rear seats folded down, obviously, so it's flattened back. And I took the passenger seat, and I pushed that all the way forward to, to the point where it was almost on the windshield. <laughs> and then I took the Star Wars, and I put it... Okay, so you know how the Star Wars angles up on the back, right? Was it, was it lying on its back? Uh, well, no, I put it on its side. So, okay. okay. So you know how the, the back of the Star Wars, the top, the top of it angles upward? Right? right towards the front of the machine. Yeah. So I put that side, the the low end of that side, um, on top of the console between the two chairs, and then I pushed it as hard as I could up into the car. Then I closed the the, enti- the lift gate, and the lift gate closed uh, with no room to spare, like like a, maybe like a <laughs> eighth of an inch. So I shoved some cardboard in there. So the Star Wars is inside a Ford Escape, the entire game. So people like when I used to tell them I move them in my Edge, they're like, "Well, how do you get it in there?" I'm like, well, "I got one in my Escape, dude." So <laughs> anyway, so that meant that I had to drive with my seat all the way forward, and I had my head literally three inches from <laughs> the windshield no. from Hudson, Wisconsin, all the way to Golden Valley. So that's like a 35-minute trip with no traffic uh, easily, you know. Uh, but I made it, and I didn't get pulled over. I just thought it would be hilarious if I got pulled over. Like, oh, <laughs> why are you driving with your face <laughs> on the windshield, sir? I'm hard I, of seeing. I had my I had my seatbelt on. Not that it would have done any good. If I had hit something, I would have just, my head would have been smacked against the windshield. <laughs> Anyway, that's my story. The airbag, airbag deploys after you've hit the windshield. Right, right. That's a great story. Go Brian, ahead. I hope your story has to do with Star Wars. Yeah. Does it have to do with... No, because I know his Star Wars story. Well, well no, I, I, don't, I, I know a, one of them. I, have, I, don't, I don't know. I have three Star Wars stories, uh, but none of them were very difficult. Um, yeah. What was the hardest pick that I had? Don't underestimate the Force. That's actually the the scariest or hardest, I don't know what you want to call it, it ended up being okay, was a similar one to what you had, uh, Mark. um, Paul Serena was nice enough to let me know about a major Havoc that was for sale out uh, west of here a little bit. It was a converted cabinet, went out to buy this thing, and it's in the, basically said, I'll come get it, you know, I'll figure it out when I get there. And I I go to pick this up, it's on, on the second floor of the garage. And so there's this outside staircase like on the edge of this lake where the landing at the bottom is like tipped so the water can flow towards the lake. And I get there and, you know, the the elderly gentleman that was there and his wife were there and the elderly gentleman's an old physician, actually had some great conversations with him, but he has Parkinson's and there's no way he's helping me do anything. And the the woman just disappears and heads in, you know, heads inside to to get dinner ready. So anyways, I get this. I go in my trailer, I pull out the dolly. I'm like, okay, I got this. And I actually had Paul's dolly with me. For some reason, I didn't have my own. Um, he'd left his at my house. So I take it upstairs. Machine's beautiful. I get it loaded up. I kind of wheel it out onto the landing, turn to the left, 
start going down the staircase, it's wet. It's a wooden staircase outside of Minnesota. There's a lake on my right, and there's nothing solid at the bottom. And the whole way down, I'm just thinking, this is gonna this is gonna end bad. Like there's no way this is gonna end well. Get to the bottom, didn't fall, was thrilled that I actually lived through it. Roll the uh, machine ten feet forward on this dolly, and the wheel comes off the dolly and rolls down towards the lake. <laughs> oh man, did it go in the lake? No, I call Paul. I'm like, Paul, um, the wheel fell off your dolly. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Uh, that one doesn't stay on. <laughs> Something no. I didn't know before I started down this like staircase. Nice. <laughs> but that was kind of one of the, the funnier picks. I, the hardest ones I've had are just the ones where you got to carry all the damn machines out at the same time. And you've got to, you know, we had one down in uh, Wisconsin where well, actually it was Paul and I carried six machines, six Ataris out of a basement. And that was terrible. But <laughs> six Ataris. I thought one was bad. Well, there was two of us doing it, luckily. Wow. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how small an Atari cabinet looks. Right. It's heavier than any Nintendo cabinet or, you know, I mean, like. But Nintendo is mean, a terrible comparison. That's the lightest cabinet. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, Stern, Midway, pick right. one. I mean, it's just insane how, like, how heavy those cabinets are. I think, what do you think it goes? Uh, lightest to heaviest would be, what, Nintendo, Williams, maybe? Next, Williams are pretty light because they're all plywood, right? Yep. And that, and then they did. What about what about Tito's? I'm sorry. Tito's. Tito. Tito's are they're very heavy. (laughs) Brian Jones said Nintendo games are made of farts. (laughs) Yeah, and Tito games are like they are MDF, aren't they? A lot of them. They're not. Um, They're not even particle board. They're like pressed. They're like an MDF, yeah, Yeah. painted. And they're freaking heavy. Actually, Mr. Peabody, have you moved any of the newer gauntlet uh, arcades like the Dark Legacy or those? Those are freaking heavy machines. Golden Tees are pretty heavy, but those new gauntlet Dark Legacy, I mean, Atari, sticking with it. Make a four-player game, and let's make it ten times heavier than a Konami. We talked a little bit about this with Gar last week. You know, when he was on, he was saying that the the worst games to move are those Dance Dance Revolution games. Yeah. I can't imagine. That'd be the worst. I just picked up one of those for events. I've seen guys who have dedicated welded like like those little dollies just to move their DDRs. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Brian Jones says Tato was ahead of their time. Shipping was cheap. All you had to do was add water, and they grew to full size. <laughs> that was a random question of the day. I will. I will. I will give one. I do have to give one shout out though with the hardest game pick. Okay. I bought a Twilight Zone in Hawaii. Oh, yes. And we were living on the second floor. And I got it home fine. But when I got home, it had to go up an outside staircase that had a landing and then a a turn to the left. And so it was like up 12, 15 steps and then turn to the left and up another 10 steps. And uh, the the shout out I have to give is um, my wife and I carried it up the staircase. So, oh my God! We put it down at the top. She looks at me and she goes, "I am never moving a um, several expletives uh, arcade <laughs> cabinet again." <laughs> wow! Well, you're still married, so that's something. I think we are. I haven't checked in the last <laughs> hour, but I'm pretty still, sure. Does she still live there? <laughs> she lives in the West Wing, where I don't have to pay attention to her at all. 
<laughs> what? That sounds familiar. I just, made, from I the just new made that up. <laughs> I think we should get uh, some news going here. Israel, government, business, merger, refugee, oil supply, defense, the clan, education, strikes, crime, riot, candid science, celebrity, the earth, the universe, the news channel. Today I'm Bob Kang. I have on Jim Wilkerson. And this is the news channel. He interrupts the penis. And now, the Arcade News with Brian McLeod. Welcome to the Arcade News. We have three wonderful stories for you today. Wait a second. And we, and we have a new product. What? That's Wait good. a second. Who's trying to interrupt in the middle? Bark, were you trying to interrupt? Who, me? Yeah. No. That must have been somebody else. I think it was you. Not I. You were like, wait, wait. It, it's, it sounds like you don't know, and so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't have been Brian because he just picked up the slack, and he's like, what are you? Like, Brian, Mark's like, wait a second, wait a second. What? What do you want to know? Like right in the middle of the bumper. What do you want to know? I want to know what uh, you want to know. You don't even know what I said. I can't wait till you listen to the repeat. So. Oh, yeah. The repeat's <laughs> going to be good. I did catch that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get some text messages on that one, Mark. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, getting on to the arcade news here. So, uh, News 9 in Oklahoma reports that a collector of old-school arcade games uh, reported four games stolen and uh, then later received a call uh, from the thieves who were so intelligent that they called him and tried to sell him his games back. Um, so the uh, John Loftus, who was the guy who had the games stolen, alerted the uh, deputies who met the uh, very uh, uneducated or unintelligent or Maybe drunk, I don't know. Uh, thieves at a loves uh, and to exchange the games, and the thieves are surprised, arrested, and Loftus got his games back. So um, these thieves who uh, were very astute looking, uh, I guess, uh, were wanted for some other crimes as well. So, so I mean, you go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say, so one of the things that's kind of funny is we've talked about this in our house. Like people ask, do you have like security or do you have other things for your games? And I kind of look around and go. Look, if, if you're going to go through the effort of getting these things out of here, I don't know that there's something I could do to actually stop you. You know, so, I mean, it's, I mean, do you guys worry about your games ever being stolen? No. 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 I mean, so, uh, my, here, nightmares about panels on my DeLorean coming off. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's a question I have. Did they... Yeah. Answer a Craigslist ad that he was that he had posted that he wanted to buy games and that's how they call, or did they target him like blackmail? Like I don't understand maybe, how. Maybe he maybe he had like a post somewhere that said, "Hey, I buy games." Yeah, like, yeah. he's one of those guys, like Steve Murky. Like you know, you're gonna see. That oh, ad. you just you just called that Steve Murky. Ah, Steve, stop it! I don't care. But somebody does because they get on there and they ra- they rant about it for like their whole post is don't buy don't let this buy- guy buy games from you he rips you off. Which yeah, well, I mean that's been and it hasn't just been Steve. It's been a couple of guys, right? That he's gone after. There's been a local. If people don't know about this because you're not in Minnesota, you sh- wouldn't know about this. There's a local guy that trolls the people who put up arcade wanted ads and claims that they're trying to give you twenty five dollars on their fifty dollar game. So, or more like a hundred dollars on your three thousand dollar game. Yeah, right. 
But anyway, that's neither here nor there. My my question is, how did these idiots end up calling this guy back? Like, oh, here. By the way, we have the exact games that you want to buy. I don't. I think what this is missing stuff. Don't you hear the story? I think it's yeah. I mean, it is, but it's also. I mean, like, why would you? I I don't know. I mean, why, why would you call ads or contact people to sell? It just seems like a silly thing to do. I mean. It's not I mean, we, like don't, we, we don't even know there was an ad. The the news stories, there's two of them, right? There's Game Gear and or what is it called? Yep. Uh, games. I didn't I didn't see in either one um, yeah, that no. they actually caught him on Craigslist. Yeah, I mean they just it just says they called him. So it's uh, to me it's like they almost like we got your games, you want them back? <laughs> Maybe they got his number. One I got a knife. Ch- I'm gonna start cutting off parts of your arcade game if you don't come and pick him up at the <laughs> Loves and bring some cash. I'm taking it. I've got your E dot. It's going to be a discs of Tron soon if you don't call. <laughs> it's going to be a dot. It's going to be. That's, that's not threatening. It'd be more like, I got your Tron game, and the first thing you're going to see is a spinner if you don't show up with $3,000. <laughs> Have you ever seen a chair in a Star Wars cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> They're not that smart. They're not that smart. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, on to the next. Moving right <laughs> along now after that wonderful uh, segue there. Um, Apple is unveiling a new Apple Arcade dis- uh, subscription service. This is from TheVerge.com. Um, they've got, you know, in the App Store, they say that there's 300,000 games available. There's going to be new games. They're going to be adding 100 new and exclusive games. Um, but then the people will be able to try these whenever they want. And so th- they basically have uh, come up with a number of uh, titles they're going to be putting out. I'm not going to bore you with the names. I mean, they are things like Sneaky Sasquatch, and I, I don't know what that is. I've, uh, you know, uh, I mon- can't wait to find out what Hot Lava is. Hot Lava! <laughs> I mean, we used to play hot lava. That's where you can't step on the floor, right? I mean, you got to get across the room and not step on the floor. I know, but how are you going to do that on your Apple TV, I guess? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you play your TV on the floor and you can't step uh-huh. on it. <laughs> so, um, you Continue. So, well, so you know, people are speculating that uh, Apple may be launching a game studio, which uh, Google launched uh, last week, but uh, there is no there is no announcement of that yet. So uh, the Apple Arcade is launching this fall in 150 countries. I don't know why they specify how many countries. That's kind of always a funny thing. Uh, but uh, it's not yet revealing pricing. So, I mean, do you guys... I don't know. I mean, I've played the the um, Pac-Man game on uh, the Echo for about five minutes, and then said, "Well, that was not so much fun," and moved on to the next thing. I mean, do you guys? What do you guys think about this and these subscription services having, you know, arcade I, games? Or have you use Steam? Or what do you guys think? I use Steam. I use Steam, and I think there's 195 countries total on Earth, at least in this timeline. So. So it would be funny if they said, these are the 45 countries we will not be distributing in. Exactly. That's, That's a better story. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like they're late to the game, but there's a lot of games listed there. There are. I mean, it, it is quite a few. I mean, one of the, so one of the interesting things that I saw with Steam was um, actually last weekend at the Arcade Expo where Brian Jones was next door and didn't bother telling me that he was there. Very rude, but we'll excuse him this time. Um, the So Polycade, um, who is made by somebody who may be a future guest on the show, 
makes these cabinets and you know we see we, everybody's had these MAME cabinets from like North Coast Customs and other number of other places for a long time what these guys are doing is they put steam which makes complete sense and I never really thought of on their cabinets and that's what they distribute as their quote multi cabinet that's interesting though because they when they first started that Kickstarter um, they used Raspberry Pis and they said you're able to put these games on it and they were using RetroPie as their delivery method so That'd be interesting to hear how they do that because they have to license Windows in order to get a version of Steam on there, right? Um, yeah, but unless, I mean, unless they license Linux, does it run? On, so I think it, Steam runs on Linux now too, doesn't it? So I'd have to check. Yeah, but anyways, it was an interesting use of it. So maybe the subscription service, maybe the subscription service with Apple, would be interesting. Also, going to be interesting to see what some of these guys do as they start competing uh, for. <laughs> If some of these guys uh, start competing in uh, licensing out some of these old games and seeing what starts showing up where. So, finally, the last story. Uh, this is from Hackaday.com. Creating it, big games. So there's a number of different uh, tools for doing this, but Hackaday.com presents a new one. So designers can get started with a point-and-click approach um, and allows you to create a variety of 8-bit platforms. Basically has a multi-platform arcade designer, uh, so named for its ability to uh, allow games, uh, several 8-bit systems from a year to be programmed. Currently, the Spectrum, Amstrad CPC, and Acorn Atom are all supported with plans to add more as they put on the track. That's all British stuff. So It is, but they're adding more. Well, good, because I don't care about the Spectrum or the Amstrad. Sorry, Brits. (laughs) I saw that. That was a great Steven Spielberg movie. You know, what a good, what a great director. You know, since you're being all Mr. Negative tonight, I'm going to roll right into a new section you're not going to be negative about. That's the new product. Don't make me destroy you. So you're just going to have to appreciate it. Um, I'm sorry, i got to drop this call. Uh, Brian has got to be dropped from the call suddenly. <laughs> so um, for those of you who... He's, is he talking? Mark is frozen. That's funny. Brian got muted somehow. <laughs> He's been talking for like five minutes. I'm unmuted. There we go. <laughs> I'm back. I don't know how I got muted. Seriously, I, I just went down. I do know how you got muted. <laughs> Someone's a sneaky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I was going to drop it, and then I muted you, and you're just like, blah, 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 blah. And then Mark froze up. It was like a comedy of errors right there. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Take it anymore. All right. So uh, keep rambling on about your thing that you are so proud of. New product. It's a new product. It's pretty cool. LaserCon is launching a new board to replace the ROM boards in uh, Dragon's Lair and and, uh, Space Ace and Dragon's Lair 2, which would be really cool. Really cool. Is that to replace like a Dexter or what? No, it'll work with a Dexter. So if you have a Dexter and this board, you can build a Dragon's Lair. Well, you need the NTC, the NTSC interlace board, I believe, but that's it. So essentially, all those old uh, Dragon's Lair PCBs and everything will—you don't need them anymore. FPGA. So they're, they're launching. It is not FPGA, from what I understand. I don't see a lot of details on it. I was looking for it. Uh, there's one person who did kind of a, you know, uh, whatever it is, opening the box, and here it is—the unboxing video. But um, it it works really well. Um, 
And it's it looks to me from the stuff that's on it that is actually just kind of the old components on a new board. Um, so it, it, it's a lot of kind of uh, uh, socketed chips. Um, it doesn't look like there's anything stunningly new as far as hardware goes, but you no longer need to um, find the old boards and add the Merlin ROMs onto it. You can have the Merlin ROMs directly installed on this board and connect it up with your uh, Dexter and be playing Dragon's Lair in no time. It's bad they couldn't combine the Dexter with it. You, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a way of doing that, but I think a lot of it, one of the things I think is neat with uh, what these guys are doing is they're kind of respecting each other's space. So LaserCon did not kind of step on uh, Matt Ownsby's, uh, you know, um, Dexter boards. Uh, as much as it would be nice for all of us to have them in one board, you know, these guys put a lot of effort into that. And so they're allowing each other to kind of have their own space and, and enjoy it. So kind of a neat, neat thing that was out there. That is cool. Now that I'm not on mute anymore. Do you still buy Dexter boards? Yeah, I believe that there's a few still available. There's not the same number there were, but I think Matt has some that he's kind of moving through slowly and he has to kind of build them on his own. He doesn't, it's not a large production run like it had before. Over to you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave, to the cave. with, with time why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? This is heavy, Doc. <laughs> Welcome to the Arcade News on April 4th, uh, 1980. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Oh, this is going to be here. Yeah. What? You're just cutting out. Why do, why do I cut out during my segment? I think I think you have like about a good thirty minutes or forty five minutes of bandwidth, and then it just goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, because like right now you just need to disconnect and reconnect because she's frozen like a snow cone, like a shave ice. Don't get technical with me. Can you hear me? <laughs> yep. Now we can. All right. What's in the... Oh, wait. No, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) So close, but so far. (laughs) So, Arcade News. um, uh, We're going back to April 4th, 1986. Do you you guys remember what you were doing? April 4th? I do. Yeah. 1986, April. I was in school. Yeah. um, So, April, January, February, March. Yeah, so I guess... uh, that was four years after the space shuttle Challenger blew up. No, I four months. That. Four months after. I don't know. I was probably just going to school, junior high. All right. Well, let's try this. Uh, Rampage, 1986 arcade game by Bally Midway came out. Oh, cool. But yeah, they take your player takes control of the giant monster trying to survive against onslaughts of military forces or people walking by. I think I think there's random people walking by, isn't there? Yeah. Man, who wrote this entry in the Wikipedia? We're ripping off Wikipedia.org, by the way. <laughs> We're now giving credit on what we rip off. Um, each <laughs> round's completed when a particular city is completely reduced to rubble. Uh, so here's something interesting. That game was released in 86, and Brian promoted it, promoted it by going to the local media outlets in each city of the towns mentioned in-game. And uh, every time he came into the city, they would they would put a press release out that said um, that their town was slated for destruction. Wow! <laughs> so I wonder how they took that. 
That would have been kind of cool. I, I would love to have, go find some stock footage, but I'm just too busy for that. <laughs> um, hey, let's move on to what was at the box office. Teen slasher flick. April Fool's Day was dominating oh my it, uh, back in 86. Have you seen it? You like it? No, you know, it's it's funny, though. Uh, you, you shared a link. I could play a little bit of the trailer, right? Yeah, the trailer is kind of lengthy, but, I mean, uh, it has that cool 80s voiceover guy. Yeah, well, let me just, uh, let's go to a part where, here we go, let's just, here we go. We'll tune you in right here. April Fool. Welcome to my home. And lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. Wrong. Join eight privileged guests who are just dying <laughs> to have fun. Wow, what is this? The Brad? That's the worst trailer ever. That's it stars <laughs> Deborah Foreman too. I have no idea who that is. They made a big deal about that when I was researching it. You know, it's funny. You did an episode a while back where Deborah Foreman was also mentioned. Uh-huh. You, you were I not. Didn't know her then. You were not coherent. And that episode. Oh no! So yeah, that, <laughs> and so, and you also at that time with, you're like, uh, I have no idea who Deborah Foreman is. You said the exact same thing, and then oh, that's hilarious. And then after that, I said she was in Real Genius, and I said, Oh, I, I saw that. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, apparently she did three movies. <laughs> okay, I'm a big uh, the fan. Guy, the guy I'm who a big plays fan. Uh, Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite is in Real Genius, by the way. Yes, he is. He's Laszlo. Yes, Laszlo. I love Laszlo. Okay. He just—I know—I need to review that. He movie. just sits in the closet. That is weird. Um, <laughs> on TV and on April Fourth, nineteen eighty-six, Knight Rider had a oh, fresh, yeah. a minty fresh episode. Oh yeah, and that that episode is very. Uh, there's a trailer for that too. Yeah, I know. Here, well, let me read the 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 summary. It, Okay. Hey, I didn't realize this, but all Knight Rider episodes have the word "night" in them. Did you know that? <laughs> well, I, I guess that's clever. <laughs> it is clever. So this one was called Voodoo Night, and it, it was the Voodoo episode. And every you know '80s TV show had to have a Voodoo episode. Oh yeah, season four. Yep. So Cor- correct. They were running out of things to do. <laughs> a Voodoo princess and her henchmen, of course, will stop at nothing to possess an ancient crown being held at a private vault company. What a weird... Where did the writers go? They're like, let's make this vault company private. Wasn't that the theme of Live and Let Die? The movie. I don't remember private vault companies being mentioned. Yeah. Well, oh, you mean the movie with James Bond? And... Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, it's funny because um, that movie is set in Jamaica, and the new, uh, the new one that they just started filming is also going to go back to Jamaica. Oh. Cool. Yeah, that's just a little bit of trivia. Well, for you Dr. No, Dr. No was sh- Jamaica also, right? Was it? Yeah. I have no idea. Can you play a little bit of that? Um, that, that, that one's short. This is like the teaser on NBC. I spooked him. Tires had just left a party where the guest of honor was a voodoo princess. Voodoo, wait a minute. One guy picked me up and slammed dunk me against the wall. I finally have some results on those ear clips. It could create electrochemical responses in the brain. Where to, Michael? 121 Wall Street. You become one of them. That building is scheduled for demolition. It ends on an explosion. Yeah, that's a stock explosion. 
<laughs> you know, it definitely sounds like a, a you know a John Dykstra explosion. You know, like from Battlestar Galactica it's, or any of his. It's way older than that. I mean, it's almost like the. Uh, what's that? Like that. You know, that, that cry that is in all movies? Yeah, the Willem scream. That's it. Yeah. yeah that, that is a stock explosion that was used in so many things. Uh, and that goes back way before the 80s, but... Love it. Love it. Yeah. So, well, I guess that just leaves us one question. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Well, He's a little overzealous. It was, and and I'm not cutting out anymore. I only had to like disconnect three times to get it going. Apparently, apparently nice. you're good now. Okay. Yeah, I mean that was a good uh, pop culture segment. I liked it. Huh. Especially the yeah. part about Deborah Foreman. Who's she? <laughs> <laughs> That's the running joke of this show. Every episode, we'll mention Deborah Foreman. I'm gonna do like the next week. I don't, I don't Wasn't she in Valley Girls? Valley, just Valley Girl, but yeah, Valley Girl. Just the, it's just the first one. Yeah, Valley Girls was a sequel of you know, it was never a sequel. Land of the Valley Girls. Yeah, <laughs> Valley of the Land of the Girls. There was a song called Valley Girl by Frank Zappa. Oh yeah, and his daughter was in it, and it, yep, she was super hot from what I recall. <laughs> I love that you remember. You yeah, what's her name? Zappa. Um, What's her name? It's Dweezil. Moon, moon Unit. Moon Unit. That's right. Because. Yeah. Yeah. But Valley Girl uh, went something like this. Remember that? Yeah. Really great shoe stores. I like, love going to like, clothing stores and stuff. I like buy the neatest mini skirts and stuff. It's like so bitch because like, everybody's like, super, super nice. It's, like. <laughs> That is awesome. So we're gonna play a, a clip here, and the chatters are gonna chime in. Wow, we got uh, we got Red Fryer in the chat. It's first time he's been listening to the show live, and we don't have a guest. Welcome to the show, Red Fryer. I cannot find the naked moon unit Zappa picture that I used to like fawn over. Oh well, uh, let's so, play this game. Yeah, and I actually expect Red Fryer to do pretty well here. We should probably explain how it's played for the new chatters. We'll play a clip, uh, and you'll guess what. What that clip is? Uh, we're just yes. gonna play a very, very short clip, and then uh, if you if you so get short. it right, uh, Mark, tell them what they win. You win a pat on the back, a hearty hi ho, and possibly a fist bump. We're adding that this week as a bonus. Oh yeah, fist bump. That's I like nice. that. Sounds good to me. I mean, and in the order of like, you may think that you guessed before somebody else. But whatever came across the stream on our side is the official order. And uh, what's up, Aaron Sanders? I hope that you're able to at least <laughs> take a place into this. So, you know, we could let them all reload their browsers if they think that'll help. Sure, yeah. Let's get rid of that lag that you, yeah. uh, so from back you, when I was reloading 10 times. Yeah, go ahead. And if you want to reload, just, you know, make sure your browser's fresh. You should reload. Yeah, reload. Reload. Yeah, we, yeah, that's what we try to do, and then we'll, we'll play some. We'll play some noises. Like uh, if you get a uh, right, you get, you get partial points, right? So if you get the artist right or the al- the the name of the song right, you'll hear this. Yeah, yeah. 
if you hear, uh, if you get it, uh, the whole thing, you'll hear this. Right? Good work, Commander. Is that all one clip? Well, there's there's a short you, version. You're so. hitting a few buttons, right? Full point. There it's very fascinating. I really, I really do like your soundboard. It's pretty cool. Is there sounds on there that you just never play? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, like this one. What the freak is that? I just put a cassette in a cassette deck. Oh, and here I'll hit okay. play. <laughs> oh my God, lame! <laughs> this is the worst soundboard ever. I'm sorry I asked about it. <laughs> I don't play What's that. in the juke? <laughs> I don't play that very often. I know. And then there's this one for, you know, when we're waiting for an answer. Yeah, we should play that. That's good. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Let's start the game. I guess I should use that probably, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, make sure we're doing that when we're doing this. Okay. Here comes the first clip. It's playing. Trust me, it's playing. Here's somebody walking. The Walking Dead. <laughs> Very distinctive beats. <laughs> There's like people in the chat. Journey, Duran Duran. <laughs> They're just totally guessing. West End Girls, Andy Baldwin. Oh my God, Andy Baldwin. Wow. Pet Shop Boys. Boys. Okay, I'm going to play a little bit more of that. That was amazing. And that was for full point. Magic. This has got the world's longest intro. I like it. Awesome eighties. Okay, so um, the next track is one of my favorites. Thanks for picking it, Mark. And here we go. Um, I'm going to play... I'm actually going to play two clips of this. I'm going to play this one. And then I'm going to play this one. This is the 12-inch version. I do love this song. Mike Gleek tried to pesh mode, but no Mike. This is a tough one. Keep going, guys. <laughs> it's cool to see delusional. Yeah, that's cool. Good guess. I like his videos. Michael Jackson, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I did not mean to go there. I'm sorry. And it's some British dudes. It is aha. Uh-huh. Mike Gleek got half of it. So uh, that is, you know, we've got some fighting going on in the chat. The sun always shines on TV. Circus World gets the other half. All right, Circus World back for another round. 
Nice. Good job, guys. All right. Here comes the next one. One, two, three, four. If you're gonna do it. That's not the right one. That is. (laughs) Where's Casey? We need him, right? He's... He thinks he's giving other people a chance. Andy Bowman, wham. Yeah, he pulls it. Andy gets half point for the half wham. Point. And I'm your man, Mike Gleek. Half point. Wow. Got some mixing up here in the chat tonight. Thank you. You guys are doing a good job. Okay, and here comes the next one. <laughs> it sounds like somebody hit him with something. <laughs> Let's see who gets it first. All right. So Andy Baldwin said Kiss Prince. Prince is half, half point. point. And Ki- oh, yeah. Andy, Andy got it all in one, so he gets the whole full point. Nice. That's right. right. Right behind him was Mr. Peabody. Sweet. Tell us who's. Oh, what? Tell us the, the rankings. What do we got going? The rankings thus far, Andy Baldwin, two and a half points. The Gleek, one full point. And Circus World, bring up the rear. Oh. Half a point. And how? Oh, yeah. Yes. We very much uh, like to continue the game. All right. Continue. <laughs> jump, jump. Bye. Oh, boy. You guys have been getting a call. Ooh, maybe it's Mr. Colin. We're going to. This is Adam. <laughs> oh, that's no, that's no problem. <laughs> the timing's perfect. In North we got another guy joining here. I'm gonna hang up on this other call here. All right, sounds good. All right, all right. Our fluffing is over, Mark. <clears throat> all right, let's get this guy. Uh, Hello, Brian. Oh, I don't know. I'm not seeing myself. Am I anywhere on? Oh your... yeah, we see you. We you're see you're like a little bubble up in the top right. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now I just gotta make sure he's added to the so everybody else can see him. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's not your wife, is it? The 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 model for that particular screaming girl. Um, I've seen her look that way from time to time. No, actually, it was not based on her. Okay. Uh-oh. My apologies to everyone for joining so late. I had technical difficulties that I was tearing my hair out on earlier, and then I went upstairs to take a nap. After That's all right. Work. So I'm really, really sorry. Hello. That's, That's okay. We, we were just nearing the interview portion, so because at that point we'd have been like, well, what now would we do? <laughs> you, you actually, your timing is almost perfect. You're almost yes. a little early because we still had some uh, what's in the juke, Adam. I'm going to go get a beer. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. But you got to do what you got to do, right? Okay. So where were we? We are at, let's go all the way by Sly Fox. Is that right? Did somebody guess that? Cause I don't know. Oh, so uh, they just stopped guessing when I said to hold on or. Yeah. Oh. Pretty much. Okay. So we had well, West I End Girls by Pet Shop Boys. We had Sun Always Shines on TV by Aha. We had I'm Your Man by Wham. And trust me. Wham. And and when the, yeah, and then uh, I we had uh, Kiss by Prince, and let's go all the way by Sly Fox. What was the last track we played? Which is a little bit of so. 
All right. So the next track <laughs> we're gonna do <laughs> is it, we're okay. Is Brian back? Good. He good. is back. So just to catch up real quick, we're playing a little game called What's in the Juke, and uh, so the chatters are guessing from little clips that we play what these songs are, and they get points. So uh, we only have a few left, so we're gonna play this clip next. Song. It's pretty good. Yeah. So here we go. Anybody got it in the chat? We're just waiting. Maybe a little fighting going on here. Ooh. These dreams, Andy Baldwin. And that was Hart. Uh, Andy Baldwin pulls out both answers for a full point. Okay, cool. So the next track is, that was These Dreams by Hart. And here we go. I used to be able to run up the stairs. <laughs> Van Halen and Greaseball Can Halen, um, different band. And then Why Can't This Be Love? Yeah, so that's great. Perfect. And uh, who gets the points? Thank you. Andy's uh, killing it here, isn't it? Let's see. Did Andy get the points, both points on the last one? Yeah, he got them okay, on this got one. It. He got and on this, this one? one? Yeah. It makes, it makes it so much easier to keep track. Okay, thank you, Andy. First placer. Yep. So uh, to Redfriar, yes, everybody's delayed at different rates. And what happens is sometimes your browser's a little slower or whatever. So we give everybody a chance to refresh their browsers. But we go with what's in the chat, what we see first. So, uh, yeah, he's he's on these dreams. Okay, so here we go. The next one. Uh, here's uh, we only have two left. I know we've played this one before. That's uh, that's the only clip we're giving them. <laughs> Answer in the form of a question. And he says, "Why are all these guys having their women bring them drinks?" <laughs> I Wait. didn't. I didn't have her do it. She just did it. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> okay, so I got to play a little more. Is that what's going on? I like yeah, how Andy just like nobody's guessing. He guesses Depeche Mode when he ever he doesn't know that's here. Wait, Mike Leake. Mike Leake guessed the band OMD. And Delusional got the the movie. Oh, close! It it is close. It's not the right movie, but I'm pointing to the screen like that helps. Apparently, uh, Mark, Sam came into the room right about the same time Christine did. I didn't see. Oh. But it looked like, <laughs> looked like Christine uh, yeah, was like, delivering like a that drink. was planned. Let's yeah. do that every time. <laughs> so that was If You Leave. But, uh, Mike Leak, is he the one that got that? And who's the band? Correct. He got it at OMD as well. He was oh, the OMD. Okay, good, good, good. Yep, so... Um, let's make this next one worth three points. Three points. All right. Three points. Here's, <laughs> it's, here's it's your, be good. Here's your clip. What song is that? <laughs> Damn it. I don't know. Tell us. <laughs> Why did I start oh. the song with the name of the song? <laughs> no one got the song right. Billy Ocean is correct. 
me play the clip again. Red, Red Fryer's still on OMD if you leave. Yeah, I know. He's way behind. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Andy got both. Oh, good. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Good. That was a good job. Mr. Billy Ocean. Full <laughs> <laughs> uh, point. We still have one more, actually. Let's make that one worth 100 points. We have one more? Yeah. For all the marbles. Winner take all. Okay. The, the, here comes uh, the last. Ble- how, this was 100 points? So winner take all. Okay, 100 points. You need the demon voice. And part. if they design games like this, nobody would play. All right, here we go. Okay. So far, nobody spelled it correctly. <laughs> Mike Leak. Mike Leak. Give Mike Leak the, the name of the song. 50 points for Mike and 50 points. Actually, he, he got the whole thing correct. Oh, he did. Mike Leak is the winner. For 100 points. 100, yeah. So that's. I don't have a clip for that. Okay. 100 points. <laughs> Do you play that little clip like a hundred times? Full point, full point, full point, full point. Play, yeah, yeah, that's the worst clip ever. So Luke won with 102 points. Andy, in a distant second, seven and a half points. And then Circus World with a half a point. All right. So, Brian, thanks for sure. joining us on the show. We're, we're about to introduce you. So, um, okay. And, we've, and we're going to want you to stay uh, stay with us for a couple minutes after the show because we can tell what you missed, and then we'll have you, uh, we'll give you a link to the podcast when we edit it so that you can listen to it if you want to or send it around to people. Okay, here we go. So, every, yeah, exactly. Everybody, thanks for joining in uh, and sticking with us. Here comes uh, the drum roll. And tonight, who joins us is Brian Cole and Brian F. As in Frank. Is it, is it Frank? What's your real name? It's in Frank. My father's name. Oh, look at that. It is actually Frank. So, Brian F. Cole, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, putting up with me. I really <laughs> appreciate your patience. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We're just glad that you were able to stop in tonight. So we have all kinds of good questions, I'm sure. But uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, your sort of uh, legacy, if you will. Just in a summary. Uh, I am. Uh, my name is Brian. Frank Colon. Um, I am an internationally award-winning animated cartoonist, filmmaker, turned video game designer. Um, I started at Bally back in 1982. I went in and I thought I was applying for a job as a pinball backlash designer because I had a cartoon style. And they said, no, we're looking for people to do animation for video games. And I did animation. And I'm thinking, Pac-Man? 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I even told some friends, it's like, you know, this is it. Childhood's over. I got a real job. This is going to be, you know, and man, I was wrong on every count. Uh, childhood has never ended and it's never been anything like a real job. It has been a I mean, tons of hard work, and it, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Right place, right time. That's um, great. So that—that's who I am. That's not who I am, but that's a brief intro as sure. to how old I am, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you've done—you know—you've—you've you've had a, a long uh, career in the uh, in, in what the industry that we appreciate, and all of us are collectors here as well as hosts of the show. And our whole goal of this show is to have people on that were either uh, connected to it in some way. And uh, we ha- we've had guests on that have been operators. We've had other collectors on. We've had world record holders. We've had people that produce the artwork for uh, restoration on. But we've never, I don't think, we've never had anyone who has done literally the artwork for games uh, and the pixel art and all that sort of thing on. You have a unique... Uh, a niche. You do both. You do it all. You do it all, right? Because so, and you were involved with game design, so that's got to be interesting. I am, for I am you. probably. I uh, I started out as an animator, so a pixel pusher. Yeah. I mean, I would say pixel pusher, but in those early days, everything was very peer to be peer. Everything was being made up as you went along, and I found out real quickly it was projects that had. Vision had, you know, some guys you work with, and the nice thing about the, back then, one an animator would get to work on everything in the office. So I'm working on every game. I mean, my first game was Discs of Tron. Oh, I mean, right. I, I mean, just totally going in thinking I'm going to be, to be working on Pac-Man and then being able to create art for a game that just, an arcade game that was as revolutionary and to this day still holds up as a full-on 3D environment totally changed my mind about where I was and what I was getting to do. But you, you worked with different programmers and everything was very peer to peer. And within weeks, within, uh, certainly within a couple of months of starting, you know, so where did the games come from? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do this? And they would let you very different from the big corporate mentality it is today. Yeah. And I learned very quickly that working on a game, where, you know, some some guys you work with were, let's do this. Well, that doesn't work. Let's try this. Well, let's try this. No, that didn't work. Let's try this. Whereas other guys, you know, so having a plan became, you know, for me, inherently lazy, loving what I'm doing, but inherently lazy. Um, I realized right away, it's, I've got to, they let me come up with stuff. I mean, they had a game out on test that, wasn't doing any what wasn't doing very well. It was a fun mechan- play mechanic, and they let me. I said, "Well, how about if I just change the whole art to this little cartoony world?" Showed them the stuff. They changed. They reskinned the game. It went out, made enough money that ended up being Cosmic Cruiser, um, and that was just within months after stumbling in the door. I became a game designer out of self-defense. The games I'm best known for are also the games, in addition to doing the screen art and the cabinet art, I came up with a concept. I designed the games. So it was a perfect time to learn to become a designer because everybody was still figuring stuff out. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I've done about 
well, close to 90 games since then. Wow. Uh, my best known ones, especially, uh, you know, in this conversation here are the early arcade games, games like I, you know, I worked on Dissatron. I worked on spy hunter. Now those weren't my designs, right. but this weapon or this thing, or this effect was you're standing around in a group and going, Hey, you know, no, we can drop, we can shoot missiles up into the air. We can have a car come up and a guy stick his shotgun out. <laughs> you, were, you were probably a godsend because you were looking at every uh, problem that they were presenting as an animation problem. And, well, and that's just it. Creative, creative challenges. Making games is fun. If it, if it isn't, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And, and when somebody like the, uh, the programmer, Tom Leone on Spy Hunter, he had the basic core game down and he was tuning it very finely. It was a well, well tuned game uh, for us for, you know, uh, so that players had to learn a skill. They had to get better at it. But in the meantime, I'm looking at it from the point of view of someone who I'm coming in, I'm putting on a quarter and I'm I'm not the most hand-eye coordinated kind of guy. I need something that keeps me amused. Sure. So how about this? Oh, the oil slick. Oh yeah, that's going to be hysterical. How about this? You know, uh, you know, and everybody, all the, it was, I, I don't know any way to say it other than it was very peer to peer. Everybody at early Bally, uh, Bally Midway. Yeah. Um, shared everything with everybody else. Guys would come wandering down, they'd come in and look at it. And for me who had been working in film, you draw for weeks, you film for nights and nights, you send the footage away, you get it back, and you see, oh, I could have done this way. Coming into an environment where I'm creating, talking in the morning, creating late morning, and by late afternoon, I'm seeing it in the game going, no, let's slow that up, let's speed that up. Oh, no, let's add a jump for this. That kind of mentality sounds very it's too good to be true, and yeah. it was. It That's really awesome. Was. I have two and questions based on... Stop me when I talk. Keep, I, I will ramble. No, I don't, that's I don't love it. So uh, two questions for you, and I will interrupt because I'm an interrupter. But uh, <laughs> two questions for you. Dist of he Tron came out in 1983. Adam, Adam likes it. 1982, Tron came out. In 1982, they had planned to have Discs of Tron as one of the levels in the game, but they couldn't fit all of that in with the memory. In fact, uh, the, on Tron, when you uh, put in your initials, you're only allowed two initials because they were running out of so much they didn't have any space for the game, so they actually took out an, an initial so that they could have enough memory to run the rest of the stuff they ran in that game. Pretty complex at the time. So discs, enter Discs of Tron in 1983. You must have just been coming on board. Am I right about that? Um, you're close, and this, this story you just spun is yeah, within pretty close to what it was, <laughs> but the reality... The reality was the programmer on the the individual game Discs of Tron, Bob Dinnerman, was a perfectionist. Yeah. And he would not release that game till it was done and done right. Okay, okay. It was less about... Space may have been a consideration. Sure. But it was less about that and more about the fact that this guy knew exactly what he was going for, and I literally was hired because... Um, some of the pixel artists that they had at the time did not understand. I was a classically trained animator, Bugs sure. Bunny, you yeah. know, uh, just, and I came in there and with the extreme limitations we had in terms of space in those early games, you know, if somebody, you know, the, a previous animator um, who, again, I, I, I came into the game when it had already been started, but 
I did all the character animations and then finished all the, the rest of the art. But, you know, the previous animator had two frames to animate in, and this was one, and and this was the other. Sure. So the net result was it never looked like it was moving because it was basically the same shape. So yeah. I turned it into this and, you know, whatever the two frames ended up being. Yeah. But so that the eye could see the difference in movement rather than trying to tell the difference between this and this, which the eye couldn't see. And you're, of course, talking about yeah. when the character is running. Running around. Yeah. yeah. A simple yeah. run animation. You've only got two frames. You've got to do it exactly right. Or it's, it's. I mean. I tell you, the, I, I never played a game like that in the arcade where uh, the animation up until that point. The animation where you'd see a character running, it gets to the edge of the of the disc that it's running on, and he almost falls off, but he stays on and he wavers a little bit and gets back on, and and you don't appreciate the the amount of work that goes into making that that animation work for the for the player. And the beauty of the beauty of that is again, uh, Bob being one of the first programmers. And I'm working on other games at the same time, but sure. Bob being one of the first guys I worked with, and we're talking about, you know, as we're creating these games, we're playing them all day, every day. We're testing. And as you get to the end, to someone like me, it's like, no, no, I get to that end. I need a warning, Bob. You can't just decide that, okay, he's gone past this point. We're going to drop him. Right. I'm going to create uh, uh, that I, the lame guy, who's not as good as you, yeah. you're programming it, will know that. Uh, you know, or, and the player players will know they need that warning. Yeah, and uh, that and that you know the creative challenge of you know he's waving his arms. It was probably two frames, but sure, again, sure. it was the right two frames. Yeah. That <laughs> the idea. I'm playing it at just the right speed. Oh, and that was the uh, everything I worked on in those early years. Um, Dissatron was one of the first ones. Spy Hunter was another great one that, again, in both of those cases, the programmers held on to the game. And yeah. and in those early days, management was out of brilliance or the goodness of their heart or the fact that they didn't understand what was going on and was scared <laughs> to do anything. Maybe a little both. Let's try a lot of stuff. Let us hang on to games without forcing them out the door. Yeah. So we were we were allowed to make the mistakes internally before we got that game out in the public and well, actually got it out testing. I so it was a wonderful time to stumble into the industry. I've, and I had my follow-up question about Spy Hunter uh, that you mentioned was, in that collaborative team, um, I don't. I remember hearing a story that, well, first of all, that they couldn't get the music uh, because James. They wanted to do James Bond, but it was too much money to license the music, so they went with uh, Henry Mancini's uh, Peter Gunn theme. So, for, which is fantastic because I think it, it, it gives the game even more uniqueness. Um, what from? I, well, I have two questions. First one is, how much were you involved with the promotion art for that game? And also, were you okay? So none of that. But as far as like the pixel art, I heard that the car has an interesting story about how it became the shape it was and what it was based on. So they, it wasn't an Aston Martin that it was based on. It was based on the programmer's vehicle or something like that. No, that's not true. Okay. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
the programmer on that was Tom Leone, George Gomez, who was a mechanical engineer, but he was kind of, when I joined, he was kind of the heart of that whole department. Okay. Uh, he was, I think he's credited as the game designer, one of the game main principal game designer on Spy sure. Hunter, but Tom Leone did the bulk of the work. The artists contributed most of the, the elements Everything beyond maybe the initial bullets and, you know, some of the, the simple basic stuff that was in there. Yeah. We, we all get to contribute stuff, and that was great. The music that you brought up, though, I always like pointing out that that was the first time. The Peter Gunn theme was beautiful. Yeah. But the thing about that was one sound programmer. Another one of the sound pro programmers, I think it was Neil Falconer, created the first time I had heard an actual jazz, live jazz generator. That oh. never plays the same way twice. If oh, you play that game and you're in the zone and you're in the band and you're getting that jazz, that is being generated by this program. Well, jazz generated that, that <laughs> Neil wrote. And I just, I love that. I fell in love with that. And I, the only involvement I have on the cabinet art is back in those early days, um, management would say, well, you know, none of you are designers. <laughs> I, and you know we can't put our names on here, and or, or alternatively, when they wanted to force something into the game, they'd say, "Well, we're all designers." Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> shove in whatever they wanted. But um, the only thing, uh, the only bit of cabinet art on Spy Hunter, which I love, is the fact that um, the artist who did the side side art on the sit down, and well, on both cabinet versions, snuck in all our names and initials into the blueprints that are on the side. So I think I'm, I'm BC Missiles somewhere. It's a Leon engine. Nice. Uh, it's a GG. So, you know, it's, it, we snuck it all in there. And then later we, we, you know, we had to get creative. Very cool. Nice. That is, that is absolutely my favorite game. So I'm going to have to go play and listen to that jazz generator later tonight. Cause I, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that game. It's, so, it's a marvelous game. It's hey, marvelous. Uh, Brian, I think you have another game that uh, that uh, is kind of rare. I, it, I, you know, Brian does several games that I love, but the yeah, the latest one I picked up was the one you I, you went down with me to get that one. I did. Yeah, was the uh, Cosmic Cruiser that I finally picked up. Yes. So it's I told you, monster. That I told you I was hunting that one, Brian. <laughs> it is a gigantic <laughs> game. That is a monster. And now, were you able to, to uh, get it with the full rotating, the thing light in there, and the oh. effect, and the silvered rounded mirror and everything? I mean, everything. And it's funny because we have parties at the house, and, you know, we'll have people come over who are used to Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, and I take them and show them. I'm like, you have to understand that this game is more than just a game. Look at the art. Look at the backdrop. And they look and they go, that's a universe in there. I'm like, yes, the universe. And here's the toy. And here's, a... I mean, I, I spend more time talking about that game and the reflection. And I mean, it's just, I, I, the, it's a wonderfully, wonderfully done game. Well, thank so. you. Like I said, that was a tremendous game. Uh, it played very well, but it was a very dry, um, you know, kind of, very dry art on it and I was looking at it I was playing with it and again since you kind of work with everybody I said to the programmer I you know got on there pushed a few pixels around I said I've got this little green alien character how about we do it in this cartoony way and again to then I didn't know it was as rare as it was, but these days I can appreciate how rare it was for them to just say, oh, yeah, so give me the art, we'll reskin it, and we'll try it. 
And then not only did, and then Bally loved it so much that uh, uh, that same character then was lent to another company that was doing a game at the time that wasn't doing so well, but they used uh, the Cosmic Cruiser in Wacko, if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slanted top and everything like that. So it was, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Phenomenal work. There was a question from the chat. Um, uh, Ian Montag is asking how much you were involved in the game Xenophobe. Xenophobe was uh, one of my babies. Um, uh, Xenophobe was a, uh, I mean, I started working on, uh, well, Xenophobe was my concept, but originally it was a exploration in a pyramid. And I was going to do with that with Jeff Nauman, who I'd done games like Sarge with and Demo Derby. And of course, Rampage, the probably one, the one I'm best known for. Xenophobe was a concept I came up with that was going to be a pyramid exploration game. And it came out of the fact that we didn't have scrolling hardware. So when those sliding three and they and they wanted a three player management wanted three player because rampage kicked ass Mm -hmm. and um and so but the it was assigned to a a brand new programmer who's like well i don't like that theme but i like science fiction i just seen aliens so it's like even better alien parody and then i got to do a lot of the you know, I'm of an age where my idea of video games was, you know, text adventures. So I, there was a lot in Xenophobe where you find this thing here and you figure out where to use it there to get this effect. And so I, I could bring that kind of, um, well, it's not a text adventure, obviously, but I could bring that sort of finding the right stuff and using it in between mindlessly slamming that trigger as fast as you could and uh, trying to take care of the aliens. So, and again, parody, it's, it makes it easy. Parody makes it fun. And I learned early on that, because back in those days, we had two customers. We had the, uh, 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 the operator who wants to make money and wants to kid off in 30 seconds. And we have the kid who wants to live forever. And in my most more successful games, I learned early on, it's like, if they're laughing, they're more likely to put in another quarter. That's true. Comedy's always played a big part in my my favorite games. You know, and I, I, Brian, were you going to say something? Well, actually, so unfortunately, I I need to run. What's going on? Um, I'm on call, and I actually have to go do a surgery in uh, 45 minutes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump Page, off now. Paging Doctor Brian. Okay. Paging Doctor yeah. Brian. But uh, I wanted to say, Brian, I I don't know if I get to see you at MGC, but if I don't, I'm gonna have to catch up with you soon. Uh, it's always great to see you. And uh, Susan sends a very fond hello, and uh, she's hoping to see you soon. And yeah, I hope to see you up there. That's just what ten days away. So yeah. like, don't remind me. I've got so much to fix before I get there. Three quarters, <laughs> including whatever you got to fix right now. So we'll let you. Yeah. Go. Sixty-six percent right, of right. the team will be there. All right, great guys. I'll talk to you soon. Sorry, I'm jumping out. Okay, see ya. Good, no problem. Good luck. Good luck. That's always a cool thing. He's like, I have to go cut somebody open, so I have to leave. <laughs> well, okay, well, yeah, that's my first time hearing that. So I, that actually made me feel a li- little guilty that I'm talking in about you know comedy when you know when a player dies we need comedy you know yeah. <laughs> probably the wrong person kind of yeah the wrong kind of send off i have to cover brian's face up he left us with this funny still <laughs> oh no <laughs> so uh yeah so that was a xenophobe uh, anything else in the chat there that i missed here 
Uh, I don't think so. They okay. uh, they were talking about at Grinkfest last year, which I don't think you've been to, Brian, but no. they had a thing they called the Whack-Off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like a wacko, you know, tournament. So. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. And they, and they made a special marquee uh, as the prize, and it said "Whack Off" on it. Uh, so I'll probably do a "Whack Off" too at some yes. point. Um, to get them to bring it in. So, uh, going back to the anime, your animation style and all that sort of thing, uh, can you just give us a brief rundown of games like, uh, you know, General Chaos and uh, Pigskin and and some of those early oh. earlier games that you did and. Um, Cause I noticed there's a lot of, there's a lot of stills like in rampage. You have little stills of the characters of Lizzie and George and Ralph. And then they, then you get to animate them too. And the same thing, you sort of have a stylistic approach to a lot of those games of that era, the mid eighties era. So give us a little bit of rundown on pigskin and general chaos. Well, um, I mean, basically, to talk about general chaos, I have to talk about pigskin because uh, one leads to another. One of the earliest games I ever worked on was called Ant Raid. Okay, and it was it was a game. It was never released uh, because it was a two player game, and they never did the one one play. No, they never really had a one player game um, AI. But it was two queen ants and their hives sending ants to fight out over food and garbage. And it was really, to me, it was, you know, I was a guy who played, uh, you know, the uh, Avalon Hill uh, war games with the hundreds of little cardboard pieces of uh, strategy and tactics games. And this was live real with a trackball. And that stuck in my mind, even though the game didn't get released, I got to do cartoony characters for it. And so as over the years, games like Sarge, when we said we wanted to do a tank game and Jeff and I talked, I said, well, let's control a tank and a helicopter because just the idea of controlling multiple things. And then later with our rivals, you know, we're controlling both players on the team so that we can do real basketball strategies. That was Jeff's big thing is he was a sports nut. And of course, me, on the other hand, it's like, eh, I don't care about the sports, but if I can do personal fouls, I'll have fun too. And maybe we've got something. Um, and then that led to pigskin where instead of controlling just two guys, now you're controlling six and general chaos is all the natural extension from a gameplay standpoint for me wanting to um, play games that could be played mindlessly, but if you could dig deeper, for those that wanted to dig deeper, I always wanted to have something something down lower in it. Uh, the cartoon style, I don't... It's my cartoon style. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I never really thought of myself as an artist. Um, but I, the fun I have drawing, I think, comes out in my art. So like, uh, starting with Rampage was the first game that I really had to fight to, even though the team, we all felt we had a winner. We, I had to fight to get that made. I mean, literally right up to the president of the company. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was, we came up with the idea. I came up with the idea while we were talking about what we couldn't do with the hardware. A lot of the stuff, a lot of my games are all about what someone telling us what we can't do. And then we try to figure out a way to do it. Sure. Yeah. And you know, they said, well, all you can do is animate a rectangle. Cause I wanted to do big stuff. So I sh- could show emotion and I could show comedy. Yeah. And they're like, no, no. And I said, can we animate the backgrounds? I've seen other companies doing that. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> all I can do is animate a rectangle. What are you going to do with an animating rectangle? <laughs> so I looked at Sharon, one of the other artists and I said, okay, 
a building falling into itself. Yeah. That's an animating rectangle. Now I can do big characters. You know, what knocks down buildings? I can do big characters. I can show comedy. I can do face plants. I, you know, and so all of my characters, I mean, I had done one game prior to that, that very few people have seen very rare game called Zwackery in which I had a big character. Someone and in the chat just asked about Zwackery. So feel free to branch off. And- Zwackery was um, the first game that, that, as I mentioned earlier, Midway never called any of us um, game designers. Uh, Nolan Bushnell was in touring um, from California, and they were showing everybody's kind of standing by what they were working on. And he came up and looked at Zwackery and management. And this is the designer, Brian Colin. And I about crapped my pants. <laughs> uh, I went out and changed my business cards the next day. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, and then I think I spent the next 20 minutes fighting with N- N- Nolan about uh, games while the management kept trying to pull us away. We, we, we had a lot of fun. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, but Zwackery, I had big characters. Rampage, big characters. Pigskin, big characters. Um, Arch Rivals, big characters. Because... It made it easier for me to get my cartoon style across. And then like in games like Arch Rivals, um, you know, every character, having all these different characters, the fact that I could do a big face and give them a fun name. Most of my games I also wrote all the stuff for as well. So the bad puns, whether they're on the cabinet or in the game or in the descriptions, you can blame me. Um, But, and then Arch Rivals was fun because... uh, you know, just by giving the characters a different look and a different, like, five-word description, players would swear that if you played Hammer, <laughs> he was going to nail more baskets than this guy who was a better defensive guy. There was no difference between them. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but everybody believed there was. And that's what we learned in those early days, too, is it's less about what you do and what the player believes they can is do. going on. So very early on, we deliberately went out of way to, it's, it's not important to make the ball bounce realistically. Yeah. It's important to make the player feel gratified that that ball's coming back to his hand. Cause in real life, he's going to miss it. He's going to trip or he's going to do whatever. <laughs> Same with the shooting at the basket. You, we didn't want you to mass. Jeff was brilliant. Uh, Jeff program. Now I'm in the programmer brilliant. On, no, we the, it's, it's a percentage and it's, it's a percentage based on these guys are experts. The player doesn't have to do anything but shoot. This yeah. is a game about blocking and getting up in time, and it's going to go in or it's not going to go and in. And punching each other. <laughs> and the punching was yeah, was uh, more my, my element because I wanted to be able – well, in one of the earliest conversations, most of our collaborations – usually came out of some of my concepts, but uh, Arch Rivals was one that came. Jeff was flying home from somewhere, and he had the concept on a barf bag when he came into the <laughs> office the next day and says, we got to do this game because we've done some multi-character stuff and because we can do real basketball strategies. And it's like, cool, that's great. I said, but what if you're not a basketball player? You know, what if you right. really care? I said, so... Let's you know. Let's do something to just draw in people like me, who is just a nerd and may not care. And you know, the fist. You know, after rampage, that fist. That's, yeah. that's a fist, guys. And, yeah. And yeah. Page and our tribals and <laughs> pigskin and just about any other game, I throw the fist into the artwork. Um, 
just because it's it's fun, it's easy, it's a surprise. And you know, surprises again, comedy is was for me one of the ways to keep people engaged. And now ask me about the um our tribals, one of the best things that we ever did that people hate when I tell them about. It. What, what was one of the best what? things that you ever did that people hate, hate when you tell them about it? Exactly my, my question. <laughs> so it was your question, too? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, because, because it's all about the player and because it was two-player games, Jeff and I love doing multiplayer games. Yeah. Part of the success of Rampage is we tuned that because we knew there were going to be strangers playing or 12-year-olds with their 8-year-old's brother, and they all had to have fun. Arch rivals, same kind of mentality. is like if one guy's kicking the other guy's butt, the guy who's winning all the time, it no longer becomes a challenge. And the guy who's losing all the time is never going to want to. Sure. So yeah. guess what we did? If you're losing, you're going to make a few more baskets than the guy who's winning to get that nice. game close. <laughs> and then the guy who is kicking your butt has to catch up. So he stays challenged. You as the lousier player, i.e. me. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no, no. I've got this. I've got this. So that was the number one thing. And That's from a, a game that, design standpoint uh, yeah. and from a, a, a keeping players engaged, that was part of the success of that game, which nobody ever thinks about. They think about the play. They think about the action. Sure. But really, that's what we were thinking about because we've got these people that got to put another quarter in. Yeah. And then the other beautiful thing that people hate when I tell them about was also in our tribals. Um because we have to get the money from the player, and it's like seven quarters long to play an entire four quarters. So a quarter, a period ends, and the clock gets to zero. I don't know if you ever noticed, play doesn't stop. You can keep playing and keep playing, and then you shoot that basket, and the ball goes up and gets right to the basket, and then we stop and ask. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so watch it the next time because yeah. And then how are you not going to put in a quarter to see whether that ball goes in the basket or not? So it's little things like that, that I love as a game designer. I love that people don't notice, don't recognize, but actually are a big part of what in that era, especially what made a game a success. It earned. Yeah. If it earned, we sold more. If we sold more, you know, we got to stay working in the industry. That's so. interesting because you know you were you were already past the the crash at that point. Uh, eight, you know, both both Rampage and and Arch Rivals came out post eighty three. So they're they're interesting games, especially because when I would go to the arcades, I was prime age for that. I was in my teens, uh, and r- I saw Rampage for the first time. I remember we sat down and uh, it was at first. Who gets to play what character? Oh, I don't want to be the girl. I'm going to be George the, the gorilla. Uh, you, you do this. And then all of a sudden, uh, you see things in the game that you've never seen in a game before. And the animations, and they're eating stuff out of the building, and then they're getting shocked when they hit the sign. And then when they finally run out of life, they shrink down to their original human forms, and they're all naked. And uh, we got, and I mean, we got in trouble for that. I mean, you know, people wrote articles on how horrible it was. It's like, you know, he's eight pixels across. I, I defy you to find some genitalia there. Uh, yeah. Covering herself up. But, and, and, you know, that's also kind of when I learned there's no such thing as bad press. Right, um, right. Because uh, it was a, 
we knew we had a, a huge game when we came up with the first concept. Uh, you know, we took it to our boss. You're going to let, and you know, he said, no. So I went over his head to the VP and yeah, no, I love this, but you can't do this. And you can't do this. And you can't do this. Unfortunately, a new president came into Bally Midway right at that time. And Jeff and I had already started working on it and, uh, and proving out the concept and that we could replace this stuff and do what we thought we could do. And he came in and gave a, a speech to the troops and said, now I just want you all to know I've got an open door policy. And I think you can probably guess who is waiting outside the guy's office door at 9 a.m. the next morning with the game refuge document in his hand. And if it hadn't been for him, who was new to the industry with no preconceived notions, he gave the green light. Rampage wouldn't have happened. Wow. Uh, so I, we were really lucky there. We had to fight for it. It was kind of like the new gauntlet. Like Atari released gauntlet and there were lines, you know, and then here's this weird game, Rampage. You get to destroy buildings and do things that you've never done before. And all of a sudden you got people to, lined up to, to play. out the test locations because they would have too many. You know, we would test everywhere because yep. still back in those days... There wasn't just arcades. It was street locations. It was in 7-Elevens. Sure. They had to pull it out of convenience stores because the kids would be cause too much crowding in the little <laughs> convenience store aisles. Can't I mean, yeah. slushies. <laughs> right, right. So it was very gratifying. Very gratifying. That's nice. so. Would you, did you say that was sort of the pinnacle uh, of your classic gaming career as Rampage? It's the one I'm best known for. Okay. I mean, every game I've worked on, there are things about it that things about the game that I'm extremely proud of. And, you know, in terms of driving game, you can't beat Spy Hunter. Sure. You know, in terms of, you know, a, a Dungeons and Dragons wackery is, you know, it's comic and it's. I, I, I can't beat my own. I'm not as good at my own games as the average nine-year-old, yeah. but I make them for myself. Sure. Rampage is probably, you know, what I'm best known for. And then World Tour is probably what everybody who's not 60 years old remembers most. Um, the uh, So I'm proud of those. Pinnacle, I, I, I mean, whatever I'm working on at the moment is what I'm having the most fun with. And that's, that's still cool. true to this day. That's awesome. I, I think uh, one of my other questions has to do with, um, well, it's also kind of on, along the lines of, of Rampage. Um, you have, you mentioned a couple of spinoffs. By the way, someone said we should have a Zwack off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that better because I actually had nothing to do with Wacko. Um, yeah. That was done by uh, um, uh, Scott Morrison, I think, did the art for Wacko. It, okay. uh, I believe, yeah. and he was at a, an independent company that was doing games for Valley. But yeah, yeah Swackoff would be pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, the the question, the follow up question for Rampage. There were many sequels. Were you involved with any of the sequels? We did Rampage um, after in about '89. We were about halfway through our rivals, and Williams, our biggest competitor, bought Midway okay. from Bell. Right. And myself and Jeff Nauman were the only two video game developers they kept. And we finished our rivals for them as the new Bally Midway Williams, as we used to call it. Sure. Uh, and then did pigskin for them. And then uh, and then we left there in good terms and formed Game Refuge because we were wooed away by EA 
Sure. Um, they wanted us to do, they wanted us to come out and work there, and I did not want to move to California. And eventually they said, well, what if we just give you the money to start your own company? So, <laughs> okay, I guess. That. Sure. That. So that worked out good, and then General Chaos was our first game for EA. Okay. But um, we continued to have a good relationship with uh, the Williams Valley Midway people, and we were in there actually working on uh, uh, uh Project and uh, the head of marketing at the time uh, was Joe Dillon, uh, Leto Joe Dillon, said, you know, we've got all our, our 13, 14-year-old males covered, but we need something for everybody else. We need a game that appeals to women, that appeals to old, appeals to young. And Jeff and I just looked at each other and said, let's redo Rampage. So Rampage World Tour, we did the arcade version of that. Other than that, though, we never got involved in ports. Okay. Um, I, you know, for me, if I, the, the fun of me of doing a game is coming up with the creative solutions from implementing it, from tuning it, from going out and seeing it happen. And in Rampage, because it, it was literally 10 years later, we could put so much more hidden stuff and, uh, you know, uh, ending movies and, and all kinds of stuff in Rampage World Tour that we couldn't do in Rampage. So that made it ideal to revisit uh, after Rampage World Tour was a big hit at home, uh, we were asked by Midway out of California then to do another game, and we did a full 3D mock-up of a first third-person Rampage in which the char- characters are shrinking, growing, running up and down the streets, running away from mice and hiding in holes. Interesting. And they said, no, we just want another... We just want an- you to add another character and do the exact same oh, thing. And we said, nah, forget it. Yeah. No. Uh, can find anybody to do no that. no innovation yeah dumb business move i wish i'd i wish i'd stayed attached to it but i was just sure they were going to come back and do our 3d version <laughs> they never did they called your bluff uh, but we never did ports any of our games that are home games were always done by other people about all we had to do with them was we'd get to go to the uh you know the opening parties the release parties and we get copies of the games but no we of our arcade games we did the arcade stuff only so World Tour is interesting because you get to expand on Scum Labs, and you get to introduce some uh, more, like the the scientist character, the blonde scientist, and uh, you get a couple other. It's more of a storyline. It's kind of interesting. Um, right, and that was actually the storyline in Rampage. It was a, it was very much as a college student, a uh, child of the '70s, if you will. Sure. Um, Urban blight was something that was driving me crazy. So Rampage was, you know, that little blimp that comes in that drops yeah. in the character says Scum Labs on it, even yeah. in the original yeah, Rampage. Yeah, yeah. And those, that opening screen where you see the three human characters that are turned into the three monsters on, that comes up on the teletype. Sure. Uh, I mean, by the way, that was myself as George, my I wife. I saw that. Let's see. I and knew it. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Alman, the programmer, uh, was Ralph. There's an uh, interesting show on, I'm just an antidote here. An, an, do you know the show Angie Tribeca on TBS? Not offhand. No. Okay, so if you ever watch Police Squad, uh, okay. it's sort of a reboot of that, uh, but it has... Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen yes, and I do know. Rashida Jones and Jerry Burns, and it has a, right. uh, this woman named Dre Vermillion, who's like th- this Dr. Monica Scholes in the show, and every time I see her, she looks exactly like you, your depiction of your wife in Rampage World Tour. <laughs> just, an, okay. just an anecdote. So you're talking about... Uh, 
party, you know, these release parties for games and such. That kind of leads me to uh, another little thing that happened recently. You got involved with some films during The Rock. Yeah, he he did a movie. I can't remember the name of it. Um, (laughs) um, I think it was... uh, yeah, rampage. Yeah, rampage. That's it. That was it. That was it. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was that was a delight. Um, the <laughs> I was I was invited to do extra work when they were shooting in Chicago, and then and spent a couple weekends doing that, and that was a ton of fun. They shot a cameo, cool, which was actually in the screenings out in L.A., but it was cut from the final film. Uh-oh. I just. My wife and I were at the premiere, and it's like, okay, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> the first thing, John John Ricard, who was the principal producer on that, uh, or one of the principals, if not the principal, the guy um, who first reached out to me, and um, you know, first thing he said to me at the after party was, "How'd you like the movie?" And then, I'm sorry, <laughs> Warner came in, made us cut out 30 minutes of Easter eggs a couple of weeks ago, and so I ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh, but, that's too bad. Ah, well, it was a ball. It was a riot. Yeah, and every time, you know, every time I went up there, and it's like it d- doesn't get any better than this. And then I got a call from John Ricard, the producer, who said, uh, um, "I've been wanting to contact you for years, but uh, you know, the legal department here is." has asked me not to, but now that you've been, now that you're officially part of the the film because you're an extra, would you like to come down during the last week of shooting and visit the set while they film the end of the movie? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. That would be, that'd be be just great. It was wonderful. But you got t-shirts and pictures with the cast and uh, the the rock was wonderful. Naomi, every, they were all wonderful. They, I mean, uh, and I can't say enough either about, um, um, I'm blanking. Um, <laughs> George, the actor who played George. Um, why am I blinking? He's wonderful. They should have been, they should have a Academy Award for him um, because watching them shoot and then seeing the movie later, that is him. The CGI is wonderful, but as an animator, I always thought the CGI was the artist, and it is. I mean, they do what they do. Yeah. But that act... J- Jason? Jason Lyles. Yes, Jason Lyles. I'm sorry, Jason. I blanked on your name. He was wonderful. Um, uh, everybody down there was was just super nice, and it was incre- it's been an incredible couple of years here. It's been a ton of fun. Well, that's, that's, uh, well you know what? I haven't seen the film, so I'm going to have to go see it now. Oh. It's good. Yeah, we saw it at a premiere. It was good. Of course we saw it. It, it, it is a ton of fun, and it does have, it has some Easter eggs that had me shouting out loud in, excuse me, since <laughs> had all that orange juice I'm drinking. Uh-uh. It had some Easter eggs in there that I caught, you know, right with the rest of the audience when they happened. It's just like, yeah. you know, and then shouting out. So it's fun. It, it, they did a real nice job with it. It's, it's very much their rampage. It's not sure. Don't go expecting scum lags and Dr. Veronica. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And the, you know, the giant naked, uh, <laughs> demonic, uh, bouncing around on the moon. Uh, uh, so don't, don't expect that, but it, they took a really fun take on it. And I love the fact that they kept the humanity in the George character. So if you do see the movie, my first fear, biggest fear was that they were going to make it a monster movie, just a straight monster movie. And for me and for everybody that plays rampage, you know, the monsters are the heroes. They are, you know, or at worst, they're the antiheroes. These are people, they are victims of a, 
evil society, the evil corporation, and uh, and, uh, and so they kept that humanity in the movie, and I love that. I Was love there that. an Easter egg where they play uh, taxi tennis? You know, punching the tennis back. No, <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have. We had so many. We had so many little tiny, and that was part of the the fun of doing Rampage. And because we were very low on art space, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the things that made Rampage so nice. Is because our characters were big and they had a set of animations, we could put the humor in the little guy on the toilet, but you, you eat him, but if you get a second punch, this water comes out and squirts you. Or, you know, playing tennis with the L trains, you know, back yeah. and forth until it blows up. Or hitting the suit guy in the sewer just right, and then that thing would, the sewer would bounce around and take out other stuff. Or if you grab the girl in the red dress, nobody would shoot at you. If you yeah. were the right character, you know, yeah. those little and because they were such small pieces of art, we could really load up Rampage and that gave it legs. A lot of games, especially back in those days, um, uh, arcade sales and arcades earnings were about every new game comes out, gets all the money right away. Sure. sure. But then it drops off in two weeks, three weeks, a month. Rampage had legs for months, some say years. Yeah. And. That was really gratifying. Sure. It was really, you know, as a designer, you're going, oh, yeah, okay. We, we, yeah, we, we would fun. gravitate towards, you know, multiplayer games, too, uh, back then. And, and I remember Altered Beast was in there and a couple other games. But we'd always gravitate back to Rampage because of the, the humor. Uh, I think it was just we had so much fun with it. Um, and probably that's the reason why the other games that you've made have been such hits as well. Uh, one one game you made that uh, I wanted to ask that's more modern is your involvement with Star Trek and Voyager. Uh, that was a... That was a uh, we were Game Refuge by that time for a few years, and we were approached by someone who basically said, we've got the license to Voyager, can you make a game out of it? And um, they pretty much let us, uh, Paramount was great, they they let us come up with our own tra- takes on uh, the Star Trek universe, so we got to create our own characters and our own type of, you know, Borg didn't just, in our game anyway, Borg didn't just take over humans there were other alien races that we got, got to create our own special monsters and then while from the initial concept we knew it was going to be a rail game a gun game like house of the dead type sure. thing uh but i wanted it to be able to be played dozens of times by the same players so ours wasn't so much a um, a rail game as a maze game sure Anything you shoot in by accident or on purpose, if you know what it is, reveals new take causes you to go down a different highway. You can play that game a dozen times and never get through from start to finish and never get through it the same way twice. That's cool. And that was fun to do. It made it really fun to to work on. That's good. Were you a Star Trek fan before you got involved, or or was that just sort of? I was an original Star Trek fan. Uh, Fortunately, I. You know, as we became Game Refuge, uh, a lot of my responsibility became more manager of the artists and, sure. and leader of, the, of the, the design teams and stuff. And we were out in uh, at Paramount with the producer and one of my biggest Trekkies, who was also one of the biggest animators on the game, a, a guy named Ben Nauman. And we were walking around the, the studio in the dark, <laughs> just walking around the set, the Voyager set, and around the corner... This really enraged, cigar-chomping LeVar Burton comes around <laughs> yeah. the corner, and he 
what are you guys doing here? You have no right to be here. Well, you know, I'm going to call security. And I, and the producer is just, <laughs> and I'm doing, I'm going to, I'm going to, where we were, um, we're a game design and we're doing this and we've got, and then, and Ben, God bless him. LaVar, I loved episode blip, 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 that you directed in which when he just started geeking out all of a sudden, uh, angry LeVar Burton, the cigar came out and he became reading rainbow of LeVar Burton. <laughs> he was happy as a clown. He's showing us around. He was wonderful. Yeah. And I'll never forget. It's like, that's why you have a good Trekkie on your team <laughs> at all times. Gotta have one on your six. <laughs> that's so good. No, that was great. That was great. Uh, Chatter, uh, Aaron Sanders says, are you going to be back in Houston this year? He wants you to sign his pigskin and arch rivals. <laughs> I know I, 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 I've got an arch rivals um, vinyl that I have to ship to Aaron so he can scan it. If you're watching this, Aaron, my apologies. It's been a really, really busy winter. I haven't even, with the exception of MGC, who uh, asked me to do a shirt for them. Yeah. Um, uh, I have not. Sorry to everybody out there. I haven't responded to anybody who's asked me to book a show this year. It's been kind of a tough winter um, with my parents and stuff like that this winter. So sure. I've had a lot going on. I'm kind of running things 24-7. But things are starting to even out, and I, I'm hoping I can get to all the shows that have invited me this year. Um, we, we I have- just... I'm running a little behind, guys. Yes, sir. So my apologies. I have a question about MGC in a second, but uh, one of the chatters also asked, and maybe Mark and or you could answer this, but uh, was was Rampage a medium? It's a technical question. Was it a medium res monitor on that puppy? Or was that just a giant 25-inch? It was the same resolution as... I mean, it was all proprietary hardware. Sure. And... They would get better in little increments, so eventually they would give her. It usually it just meant giving us bigger ROMs, right? So that it had more artwork. And bits by bit by bit, things would get introduced. I am the worst on this, as far as technical stuff. <laughs> That's okay. But the monitor always had low res background that didn't sure. scroll. Yeah. Uh, and so that was low resolution, eight by eight pixels, and sure. then and you, you only had and the entire. Game, you had maybe a one full screen and a half. That's all you had. You had to make everything out of that few blocks. Sure, it was like sure. five hundred background blocks. Yeah, three hundred took up a screen. So you maybe had a screen and a half. Foreground, uh, things were tight. I mean, Ralph looks like Ralph. We picked Ralph the dog because I could take uh, George, mm-hmm. and all I had to do was change his head and change his color palette, and now we had a dog. So George and Ralph are identical, the identical sprites, just in a different color palette. That's different. So uh, why don't you give yourself a little plug? You're going to be at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic in 10 less than, it's actually a week from tomorrow. Well, Uh I don't know if you'll be at the pre-party, but... Uh, I um, I hope to be I hope to be at the at the pre party. I hope to be there all weekend uh, through the after party. We're doing some crazy stuff. Um, I'm a VIG this year, so I get to hang. Oh, cool. What the heck is that? Very important gamer, and I get ah. one of the shirts. I get one of the shirts. Nice. So that's cool. Good, good, good. That, yeah, I'm, I'm. That's a fun shirt. That's a fun shirt. <laughs> I'm looking um, forward to it. And then, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to being there. I'll be typically when I go to these shows. I mean, I don't I don't 
I sign anything anybody wants me to deface, you know, bring in your stuff. I don't charge for autographs. I don't, you know, if you're foolish enough to let me write all over your, your (laughs) possessions, I'm happy to do it. And I'm honored to do it. So, but I do sell posters. So I do a lot of original art from a lot of my old games and, and I will, like I'm doing now, talk your ear off if you're willing to stand there and hang out with me. So please come by and visit me this year. I think I'm going to be, um, I'm not going to be with the arcade games this year. I think this year, uh, uh, Dan was telling me I'm going to be with the artists out on the main floor, but I'm not sure. Oh, cool. I, I never know what I'm doing until I actually show up and they tell me where I'm going. We've got about eight more minutes here before we have to wrap it up because I've got to catch a plane early in the morning. So, Mark, why don't you pick some questions out of the chat and we'll wrap this thing sure. up. Well, so I have I have one I wrote. Um, who was your inspiration slash mentor for your distinctive cartoon style? <laughs> Good question. Um, I'd have to say... Uh, Jack Davis, Jack Davis, Jack Davis. I loved his hands. Jack, there was something, I mean, I love this pen and ink work. Most of my work is pen and ink work. That's what I love to do. Um, Yeah. Sing, single individual. Um, And of course that ties to uh, probably the inspiration for my humor too, because Jack Davis was an early mad magazine uh, artist. And so Jack Davis, more, Mort Trucker, uh, Harvey Kurtzman, those guys, so both cool. my my uh, my sense of humor and my art style probably comes from them. Love it. Okay, um, let's see what else I've got here. Oh, as a teenager in the early 70s, did you have any favorite arcade games at the time? And really what I'm asking is, were you more drawn towards the EM games or the, did the fancy new video games catch your eye? I mean... Well, what were you doing? I mean, some some people we ask this question to, they're like, I was dating women, and so. <laughs> um, in the seventies, I was in college, so. Okay. Uh, I mean, pinball was more around. I was there, the last video game I had as a child was the Magnafox Odyssey, where you put the colors. Sure. Yes, I owned TV to get color. Yeah. After yeah. that, the only the only games that interested me were text adventures. Oh, cool! I saw yeah. Games like Dork and uh, you know, the Leather Goddesses of Galaxy. Phobos. Yes, Leather Goddesses of Phobos. Yes, love <laughs> those infocoms. Um, I was not interested in video games. Um, the first game I thought was interesting was uh, Battlezone. You know, a vector game, yeah, something yeah. I've never been able to do the art for. Sure. Um, which is why, like I said, when I went to apply for a job at Bally, you know, I think as I left the interview, I was, you know, very delighted to see it. And, and, but I'm already thinking, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to be doing this because, you know, the big pixels, that's not my, you know, how am I going to do my style? And I remember saying to the guy that, you know, this is great, but you know, you guys have to know, um, I have a successful independent ad agency. I do ads for, you know, um, you know, bars and local restaurants and, and stuff. So, you know, you're, you know, if you want me here, you're going to have to pay me like a, a three three hundred dollars a month. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> low. Later, George Gomez was uh, telling uh, someone he's like, and he just smiling to himself, going, "Yeah, I think we can do better than that." Yeah. <laughs> so, it was. It, I was not a big fan of video games. I think one of the first video games I remember seeing was Gunfight. 
sure. You know, yes. An arcade situation. There wasn't much. Um, I, I hadn't, until I started working for them, I hadn't even seen Tron. Gunfight is Williams, right? Huh? Is gun, I'm not sure who Gunfight, gunfight is. Or was that Midway? I can't remember. Somebody in the chat will know, but that's on, that's on tour right now at that science museum arcade tour. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. People, people are always amazed to learn that I don't follow the industry the way players follow the industry or sure. the way in other industry professionals follow it. At trade shows, all I would do is walk around and look at everything everybody's doing to make sure nothing was too close to what I was working on. <laughs> you know, I mean, I always wanted to try and hit some area that nobody else was doing, um, and beyond, and then other than having the occasional favorite game that I play the heck out of, um, I really, I, I don't. People ask me stuff about arcade history, and unless I physically had something to do with it, I don't know what they're talking about. And I barely remember the years that I did have something to do with it. Well, it's know, great, so. though, because anything we scratch the surface on tonight, I mean, you've been very uh, able to answer. So there's one other question that I think maybe, I don't know, Mark, did you ask the one about sequels? Uh, I didn't, but I... I... I did want to talk about this one that you tweeted where you shared Polaroids of your wife and yourself posing for what became the blasted artwork, <laughs> which is hilarious. And so do you guys start your, I mean, how many other, you know, cameos do you have that maybe we don't know about? Uh, actually, that's pretty much, uh, we were in the original Rampage roll-up, yes, I'd say, and then, and then she was, she that was her and I on the side of the Blastic Art, Blasted Art. In the touchscreen games we did for Merit, she was the voice of, um, didn't look anything like her, but there's a game called Air Shot, in which it's an air hockey game that you play touchscreen, and she was the voice with that, and, and uh, it's... It, it always embarrasses her because uh, uh, she affects a, um, uh, I don't want to say bimbo, but uh, uh, just say, yeah, let's go with bimbo uh, <laughs> accent. And that when people are playing it in our basement, you know, then I have to point out and, that, and that's Ray. So uh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And, my, so, and that, that sequel question was. Uh, are there any sequels to your previous games that you wish you could produce, you know, down the road? Um, we started General Chaos uh, a little over five years ago. General okay. Chaos 2. Um, we kind of did it in our spare time. We got about 40% through it. And unfortunately, at that time, I was diagnosed with cancer and a major game refuge client pulled out of a multi-year uh, um, agreement that we had, and we had to halt all progress on that. It's still sitting around. It's still half done. I'm still talking to people about how we might get it done, because um, it is where the old General Chaos was on the D-pad on the Sega Genesis, and it was the re world's first real, real-time strategy controlling these guys. Sure. Now it well, the way it is now is it's touchscreen and you are going, you, you, you Yes. over this bridge here. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you guys all fire. You guys plant this bomb here. Maybe. The other guy's doing it there. We've got to finish it. And yeah, yeah. We need to get finished. Um, we may end up doing, uh, we may end up doing, I've done all of my games. I've been lucky enough. have always been done as through publishers, 
99% of the time we don't do independent stuff. We get paid in advance. Right. makes it easy to concentrate on the game. Yeah. And I don't have to be a very good businessman. You know, we get paid in advance, so I just do my job. Sure. Uh, We've been trying to do that with chaos, but we might. One time we strayed and did an intellectual property syndicate in which investors owned a dollar, owned a piece of every dollar the game made, and the, that actually worked pretty well. Investors made about eighteen percent on their return on on investment over like in the first two years. Um, so that was a happy thing. We may do that with general chaos. We okay. may invite people to invest and. Unlike a Kickstarter where we're just sending them a little plastic general chaos toy or a little, you know, statue, you own the game. We right. own a piece cool. of it. And if you put in this, you get a pro rata share of everything we do. And I'm hoping that that's kind of our I'm getting to the point where I I'm thinking that might be the best way to approach it, because we've right. got to finish this game. Everybody that sees the stuff wants it. And yeah. well, hey. There's always the Apple Arcade. I mean, Apple's just throwing money at people, so I think that you, there you should go. You should accept that money. <laughs> just reach out to Tim Cook and just say, yeah, hey, we'll, we'll, I got we'll this hook idea. You up with Tim Cook. Yeah. You know what? You you hook me up, you can take a piece. I, oh, nice. I don't reach out to people. I'm hor like I say, as a, as a businessman, I'm a great game designer. I just need to get you I, the right I, PR I don't guy. Reach out to people, but when people reach out to me, if I can help them, I do. Okay. All That's right. Good. Let's do it. I'm, all right. I'm all for it. Well, I, I want to uh, thank you again for being on the show. Um, stick around a couple minutes after so we can wrap up with you. But uh, I want to give you another plug. Being out at MGC in a couple weeks, you guys, uh, get Brian to sign your stuff. He says he'll do as many as you want. <laughs> wow. Bring the art loads. Well, you signed body parts. There's nothing more fun than going to a show. It is. This is fun. Only, and I only kind of discovered this kind of world just in the last few years. And I'll, you know, I'll give a plug to Doc Mack at the Gallup. Oh, Ghost. yeah. Introduce me to the fact that all you guys were still out there and remembering. Yeah. Because I've been making games for 35 years. I haven't been really paying attention. Like I say, I don't pay attention to what's going on other than what I'm working on. Yeah. And, uh, it's just been the last few years that I realized, wow, this is really kind of neat. <laughs> I have a ball. Well, welcome know. back to the party. So Thank you. This Thank has you. been the Double R's. That's Arcade Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I, I guess you're going with the next one, Mark? Uh, I have to change that tab. Go well, uh, how about follow us on Facebook? Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash arcade radio. Right? Right. Call and leave comments, please. And questions on our game line, 612-548-GAME. That's 4263. Yeah, or you can follow us on Twitter. And, uh -huh. and you get to see a lot of the same content you do on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just one click, actually. Technically, it's two clicks. You have to click the bell. Yep. You, do, yeah. you have to kind of... Yeah. It's more than and one uh, click. I'll plug the uh, Game Refuge on Facebook is the best way to keep track of what I'm doing, too. Awesome, yeah. Game Refuge. Sweet. Game Refuge and uh, GameRefuge.com if you want to look at their website and see the past games. I, I haven't updated the website in 10 years, but... Yeah. <laughs> so don't judge the GameRefuge.com. Got That's it. where I got a lot of my info uh, for for plugging the show. So uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and uh, well, we're not on SoundCloud anymore, but we are on Anchor FM. So that's going to be it for now. Uh, from the Arcade Radio team, thanks for joining in. I hope you had a great time. We'll see you on the next show, which will uh, have a guy by the name of Tyler Bushnell, and we'll talk about the Polycade. 
Uh, it's uh, Roland's son. So, should be a fun show. And uh, I guess that's where we let this ride, right, Mark? Yes. Excellent. Thanks, guys. That Thanks. was fun. Thanks for sticking right. with us. We'll have to have you on again. I think it would be great to have a, a whole show. So we, what you missed out on was um, we have a, we kind of treat you as a co-host. So all the things we were doing before were sort of for our own edification and, and entertainment and for the chatters that, that yeah. tune into the show. But we run it kind of like... I really was looking forward to it. I just... I've got a new project that actually just launched yesterday. So I was, uh, you know, I was excited. I was digging into that. And I, as it sometimes happens when you're really into it, I was about two hours into something without saving and the computer. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then it would not come back. And, you know, and the more and the more frustrated and angry are the the worse it is. I know Uh, that. I know that feeling. And so I wrestled with it for about an hour and a half, and then I had some dinner, and I just like I gotta lay down, and I laid down, and then I woke up <laughs> literally, and my wife's like, "You had the thing tonight." <laughs> <laughs>